Welcome, welcome, welcome to Armchair Expert. I'm Dax Shepard. I'm joined by Sharon Weekly. Hello, hello. This is Sharon <laughs> Weekly. <laughs> um, actually, Aaron, I think I told you about this interview. It's oh, it's up there for me. It's oh. yeah, we did talk uh, quite a bit about him, actually. AKA Colson Baker from Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland, Ohio, mm-hmm. Denver, Kuwait, Africa. This poor kid was never anywhere for more than 15 minutes until he was in Cleveland. I really, really adored him. I'm calling him a kid. That's fine, right? You think he's yeah. 32. Well, no, we call almost everyone kids, even yeah. you know people that are our age. Or older kids. <laughs> even for some of the We used to call our dad kids. <laughs> yeah, grandpa kid. Machine Gun Kelly is a rapper, a musician, an actor, and a filmmaker. In addition to mainstream sellout, a new tour that's happening with Post Haste, he also has a movie out called Good Morning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, Aaron. I get what he's doing he's there. happened? <laughs> oh, man. Okay. I ended up really loving him, and you and I both could relate. Yeah, I look forward to the interview because the way you made him sound is he uh, pretty much is us. Yes, a vulnerable boy. Yes, a vulnerable boy. Major vulnerable Yeah, boy. like he could be maybe even the lead singer. <laughs> it of would our make band. the most sense because yeah. he can sing. Right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> this is great. We just had a band long enough that finally I interviewed someone that could actually do all the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we just have a name. Once again, we've just named something. Yeah, next interview with him, we'll bring it up. Yeah, we'll share one of our new songs. <laughs> okay, please enjoy Machine Gun Kelly. We are supported by Squarespace. Guys, we have a Squarespace website that's just gorgeous. That Wobby Wob, you you built that yourself using all the templates, yeah? I sure did. Yeah. Easy peasy? So easy. The best part about Squarespace is it's an all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. You can get discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools, and you can choose from professionally curated layouts and styling options with Squarespace Blueprint. Plus, you can kickstart or update written content on any website, product description, or email with Squarespace AI. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial and save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with the code DAX. We are supported by Wayfair. Home should be your happy place, a space where you can relax and just enjoy yourself, whatever that looks like for you. Whether you want the ultimate man cave, a cozy Victorian-inspired nook for reading, an area for family movie night filled with all things retro or something else. And if you need help creating that space, I recommend Wayfair. It's the place to shop for everything home, from sofas to dining tables, beds, rugs, wall art, and more. I bought a KitchenAid mixer? mixer on Wayfair. You can really get anything on there. And I'm helping a friend redo his living room, and we just... You're just on way for nonstop. Yep. Yeah, it's one-stop shop. It is. They have fast, free shipping. They have everything you need for your home inside and out. They have a huge selection of home goods and a variety of styles. Whatever you're into, Wayfair is the go-to destination to help bring your vision to life. Every style is welcome in the Waberhood. Visit Wayfair.com or get the Wayfair mobile app. That's W-A-Y-F-A-I-R.com. Wayfair. Every style, every home. He's an I downloaded a guitar tuner 
there? Yeah, and it was terrible. Do you have one on here? You know what's good is guitar tuna. Tuna! Guitar oh, tuna. I like that. Mm -hmm. First, would not have a guess. I appreciate it. You can listen. You can tune a guitar, but you can't tune a fish. <laughs> oh my god! You know that already, That's don't you? Really funny. I'm definitely. You've never heard that. that? No, Wait, but that's I'm taking the old that. Saying? Yes, you can tune a guitar, that is but you can't tune a fish. That's, that's probably that's why golden. it's called guitar tuna. It's an old. Yeah, I think it must be a nod to that joke. Ah, guitar tuna. I've never heard it either. Look, you just let that sit there, and if the spirit moves you, you just grab that <laughs> fucking let it rip. Walk me through your thoughts right now. I see you taking in your environment. Also, get comfortable. Yeah. Oh, in fact, do I have to move the couch out? I might have to. Lean back. I want to see if your head'll so hit. Tall. Oh, that's right on the limit. <laughs> <laughs> My thoughts are: I was having nervous breakdowns, like an intense way to describe it. I was late because I was uh, just like debating if I was going to be like fuck the world today or oh, oh. Yeah, yeah 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 yeah. i'm familiar well, this with is that a great way to start totally Dax can relate oh my god yeah do you know anything about me yeah i'm being course. sincere i loved you as frito and idiocracy oh okay thank yeah, you yeah, yeah. do you know i'm a raging addict do you know any of that stuff oh no i don't know that okay so major fucking addict i haven't drank or done coke in 17 and a half years i relapsed during the quarantine on opiates went bonkers yeah those are good yeah which ones percocets Oxy 30s. I had to stop at four so I could sleep. So I would do like eight to 10 between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Yeah. Did you snort. ingest them or snort them? So here's the interesting thing I did both. I did not find snorting them to be more impactful than eating them. That made sense when people did Oxycontin because it was time release. It would make sense to snort it, but they're not time release. I don't notice a big difference with that, but when I would. Snort Adderall. How the fuck did you know I was going to say that? Because I'm a fucking that? junkie. Look at me. That's I know everything. crazy. That's literally where I was leading to. I was like, but when I would snort Adderall or Vivans, holy shit, that hit way different than just taking it like college students. Thousand percent. Yeah. The same with cocaine. Like Stevie Ray Vaughan, he never snorted cocaine. He always put it in his whiskey and he just drank cocaine. I've drank it before. Oh, you have? Yeah. I didn't know that Stevie Ray Vaughan did that. It ate his stomach out. Ah. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah. Ah. He got a hole in his stomach as you would damage your sinuses. Well, it's interesting because, you know, Steve-O has a fucking hole in his septum. I know Steve-O. Yeah. Are you friends with Steve-O? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. He's wonderful, right? Yeah. That voice. Hey, man. <laughs> 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 that's exactly it that's a good impersonation do you know how all of them work as far as like the intake rate and all that kind of stuff i should probably know okay so when you eat things that's going to be the slowest right it's going to absorb through your stomach lining okay and then that's going to take whatever it's going to take whatever eight to 20 30 minutes to start feeling something nose is second fastest right because it's going directly into your bloodstream through your sinuses mm -hmm. then of course upgrade from there is smoking it because your lungs are this huge surface area so if all that hits your lungs what was right before lungs snorting okay so in progression like if you track meth addicts there's like these different predictive rates of their likelihood of being able to quit speed right if yeah. you eat adderall that's some level and people would eat dexedrine all those things if you snort it it goes up right like it's gonna be harder to quit when you switch to smoking it and that really hits you fast that's why crack's so much better than snorting cocaine because it's going into your lungs and all those things are putting into your blood really really quickly right almost instantaneously right and then the apex is shooting it because now it's directly in your blood and then when people are shooting meth 
the rate of recovery is like single digit. You know, like once you've escalated to shooting, it's fucking daunting. That's just some little tidbits. Shit. I feel weird. I, not weird, but like, I hope no one listens and is like, okay, so I'm just going to skip straight to. I don't think shooting. so. Well, A, I wouldn't want that for anybody. But also, this is the facts of how drugs work. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to hear. And also, I'm not glorifying it. Look, I had to quit everything, clearly. And I go to AA meetings all the time. And so I'm not a proponent of doing it. But I will also add, people have barriers. They're very interesting, like how you control an addiction. It's like you have barriers. I won't do this. I won't do that. Generally, they all erode. But I would say if you snort crystal meth, like don't step up to smoking. (laughs) This is for real. Like unless you want to be a hardcore addict that's never going to get clean, as much as you might want to step up to smoking, don't smoke it. And if you smoke it, do not fucking shoot it because if you shoot it, you're probably never going to get off of it. But when you're in the middle of your addiction, you don't care. You do. Like people do have barriers. You'd agree, right? Yeah, for sure. Really? Yeah. You still have a conscience. It's almost like sometimes you get heightened self-awareness in the middle of it. It's odd how self-aware you become when you're in a nebulous of a high. It is, right? Holy shit, you have one of those lamps, by the way. Oh, do you like these? The little library lamps? I was just talking about in movies, I was like, every (gasps) set designer has to use that. That's right. From Seven. We love ah! it from Seven. Did you know that's why I have this? I'm sure we've talked about it, yeah. From Seven with Brad Pitt? Yeah. He's in the library, uh, or Morgan Freeman's in the library, and all the desks have these. Very sexy scene. Incredibly sexy. And I was like, I have to have one of those from that movie, and you're right. That's a really popular practical lighting tool. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. My dad used to have one of those in our house. Oh, he did? Mm. Anyway, back to Crystal Mm Mess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. all around i agree with you you can be fucked up and you're evaluating like how far down the road am i right now it's not like you're just feeling great and you're high do you think you're really able to know what i'm trying to point out is like you might imagine once you get high in coke you're like i don't give a fuck fuck the world what you're doing the whole time is like okay it's 2 a.m we're shutting this down at three and then three comes and you're like okay we're shutting it down at four and then we're shutting it down at five you're never just like throwing the keys out the window you actually are trying to in some weird way and then it's just unraveling but you are aware of it does that make sense it doesn't i think i would agree like i get that but i guess my point is when you're in it the priority becomes i need to maintain this feeling yeah i'll go even further not having this feeling is going to be so painful exactly what do you think on the calm down you start to be like okay, I can't live like this. I have to make a change. It's actually fucked because you start to have hope for yourself while you're on the drug and you're coming down off of it. And you're like, you know what, dude, tomorrow, this is my last time. Like I have to. And then you start to kind of realize, oh, I'm running away this person or this person. And I can't afford to lose my family over this. And my attitude is worsened. And, you know, my career is taking a hit because of this and all this shit. You get kind of honest with yourself on that calm down, right? It's just about, can you maintain that? honesty because as soon as you wake up and you get back around it you're like oh okay fuck it i do think because i've seen a million people get sober try to get sober whatever over the last two decades let's say you have one of those nights you wake up you fucking hate yourself i'm a piece of shit this is never gonna end but you happen to have a career and i have a career where it's like i can go then do something where i can still do that thing really well people enjoyed it and everyone's pumped and then it resets my self-esteem where i'm like well i'm not that fucked because i can still do that and those people were happy well what's fucked is when you do it even better when you're on the shit that's what sucked because i'm like super social and i'm super funny and i'm way more outgoing and then you're like god damn it like i was better on that yes the film 
that I came to talk about and that I wrote and directed, I wonder if I wouldn't have been sober off of cocaine, what that movie would have been. There are some scenes that I look at and I'm like, God damn, while this is so funny and so expressive and so opposite of what my image as a musician is to people. If I had just did one bump before the scene, though, I would have been fucking Jim uh, goddamn uh, Carrie yeah. in this scene. Like, oh, oh you no. have those thoughts. Sometimes. I also know we wouldn't have got past week one because I would have just been fucking flipping out on everybody and been like, this isn't fucking good enough. No, you would have been brilliant for 18 hours. 100%. <laughs> and yes, then it would yes. have just been diminishing. Yes. I want to put your mind at ease. So generally, you probably haven't heard this show, but we talk for a while, just fun, and we bond over shit. Yep. And then people fall in love with you. Mm -hmm. And then we do give some serious time to what you're here to promote well i think that's the issue with me is that people have the biggest misconception of me ever so i actually gravitate much more towards that than promoting something oh yeah yeah a lot of people don't realize there's a human behind the character that i've yeah i'm also guilty of putting out there in the ethos because the name that everyone knows from me is machine gun kelly people don't even know that i actually have a real name or real feelings or invulnerable see i can see that immediately can i just walk you through my knowledge of you first of all i'm 110 years old just to remind you Remember that proverb he said earlier? That was from the <laughs> that 18th was from the century. The, the, the tuna guitar. Yeah, that was a good 30s joke. So I'm pretty out of touch. Now I have two little girls, seven and nine. You have what, 12? 12. Okay. So I'm kind of hip to whatever shit they're listening to, but also a lot of stuff. I just, I'm out to lunch now. And so I know Machine Gun Kelly. And then as I'm researching you, in two seconds of learning about you, I'm like, he's a vulnerable boy. I know your fucking story. I see the whole nine. I feel so similar to it. You're from Cleveland. I'm from Detroit. There was a masculine vibe in these places. Totally. That was fucking terrifying uh -huh, at times. For sure. And you're way too tall and I was way too tall. <laughs> and I immediately was just like, oh, I already know I like this kid. And I can relate so much to the persona. I was super punk rock. I was punk rock because I wasn't going to be on the football team. It wasn't going to work for me. I didn't have Jordans. I didn't have Z Cavariches. I didn't have the shit. Mm -hmm. So I was like, all right, well, I'm checking out of that. Just so you guys know, I'm not competing in that way because I know I can't succeed in that way. So I'm punk. I tried, you know, and I just didn't fit. I always compare it to when I was in middle school and I look at the year before I started rapping. There's no signatures in the yearbook. And then I put on this persona and I was like really bold because I wasn't, I was shy. I didn't have parental figures. My parental figures were on TV. So I was always like, oh my God, Dragon Ball Z. Like, I want to be a Super Saiyan. Then it was like, oh, I want to be a Jedi. And then I saw Top Gun. I was like, I want to be Iceman. I want to be Maverick. I'm going to be a pilot. Yeah. And then I did Ecstasy at 11 and I was like, well, Wow. Fuck that. Because a friend of mine who I was living with his sister, who was older, was dating like a rave DJ. This is like full on 90s rave shit. Yeah, what is this? The warehouse district? And this is in Denver, not in Cleveland. Oh, oh, oh okay. Yeah, okay so, but okay. the warehouse district is Cuyahoga River. Yeah, that's where I have a coffee shop at, actually. Oh, right, right, right. When I saw how it was no signatures, and then I saw that when I put on my like superhero mask as a rapper, people were like, oh shit, I like you. Yeah. For me, it was a trick because what it told everyone around me is like, this guy's so confident. Again, this is 91. No one would have bleach blonde dreadlocks. And it read as ultra confident, but it was smoke and mirrors. Yeah, but it fucked me because, you know, still to this day, I deal with hundreds of thousands. I mean, dude, it feels like millions of people who just are like, he is so confident in all these things that like, I feel okay shitting on him. 
Yeah, they feel like they're punching up on you. Yes. I feel okay saying this shit about him. And I'm like, you know what, dude? Yeah. Have I been a dick in media? Sure. Have I represented myself poorly sometimes? Yeah, absolutely. Is the camera on you when you were growing up? Because if it was, I'm sure we would all have fucking little excerpts to talk about. And it's like, that's not you, though. I understand you're a lost young man or woman and you're like figuring shit out and you talk your shit as does anybody but like for people to miss that whole shit on me as if I'm not like the same like growing human being where I have feelings and I'm sensitive and I'm like you know what 10 years later as a man though as a father of a teenager and a husband this isn't me and also too I'm 31 years old I know plenty of 31 year olds who are still full pieces of shit and oh. like are still figuring themselves out so like i'm kind of ahead of the game from a lot of people who are just putting on this facade of like well in public because of all these people that have fucked up i know to not do that but in private there's still pieces of shit in private i'm actually a great human being and full of like vulnerability and like just learning myself and the fact that people kind of are like oh yeah but he's machine gun kelly dude i've called some of these people but i've literally been like <laughs> this person in this band or this person who's a youtube reviewer this person who felt like putting videos out being like this is why mgk sucks or like is disgusting and i've called them and been like hey man why are you running a smear campaign on somebody who just is making music just a person. like it's weird you would think that i was in politics and i was like being like no abortion like yeah. some crazy yeah. shit this is the saddest part i said this to a guy i said hi this is machine gun kelly i see what you say and he goes did you say machine gun kelly or did you say this is colson but he doesn't know who colson is okay yeah. they don't okay. know that i'm a person he literally verbatim goes Oh, bro, like, I didn't know you'd actually ever see this. He compared me to Target. Okay. Well, first of all, I love Target. Yeah, Target was great. My yeah, aunt yeah. used to work at Target. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We love yeah. it. We truly do. He compared me to Target in the sense that he's like, oh, well, you're so big that I wouldn't think that Okay. Like Target oh. would respond. Like Target would ever give a shit about one customer saying that Target sucks. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Well, okay, can I tell you something I heard recently in a meeting? I did the things they say I did. I'm not who they say I am. Mm. I think that would sum up what you're saying. Absolutely, exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. what it yeah. is. Yeah, it's nice, right? Yes. Crazy childhood, or at least on paper it is. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Your parents were missionaries. One of them was, yeah. Your father. Mm -hmm. And you guys went all over the world. Yeah, he would be in and out. I kind of learned a lot of this stuff after his death. Oh, he died? Yes. When did he die, can I ask? Two years ago. Okay. And I learned a lot of this stuff after. I knew that he was really traumatized from something that I haven't really even acknowledged to myself what it was, but I learned what happened as a kid. And it's actually not what anyone would think. It's the most unique, odd kid story I've ever heard because it's not like, oh, someone touched him. It's nothing like what you would, it's probably the most insane. Perpetrated by his parents? No. Oh, okay. His father died in front of him. Okay. As a kid, but I haven't stopped to ever acknowledge what he went through he didn't talk about it until he was on his deathbed oh no kidding. and he was like this is what that was yeah and i was mind blown and it made me understand so much of who and why he was dealing with what he was because i couldn't understand he slept for a lot of years when my mom had left to do her life major depression yeah for sure and alcohol i mean he died of liver cirrhosis and he probably wasn't that old no yeah he it was escapism, which is classic with me as well. So it was just like, okay, I can't keep this job. So like, go to God. Yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah. Go yeah. to missionary. Oh, no. Oh, then, okay, get a job, but then can keep just, okay, go to God.
Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there would be moments like I remember in high school, like he went to Kuwait for a year. I was a freshman and I stayed with a friend of mine down the street. In Cleveland. Right before I moved to Cleveland. So I moved to Cleveland at the end of freshman year. Okay. Nine to 13, 14, something I was in Denver. Did you see me smirk just now? Yeah, why? Because I got excited. But I want you to know why I smirked. Yeah, yeah. Because if you ask me like where I grew up, I will tell you, I grew up in my mind in this area of my life that was really only three years long. Same. So when you said that, I got little goosebumps because I had crazy trauma up until we moved to this one town, Milford, and I started sixth grade there. All the stepdads were gone. Fucking sexual abuse was gone. All the shit was gone. And I got there and I met my best friend who I'm still best friends with. I became popular. I was punk. I skated this whole thing. And so it was only three years, but that's my home. When you just said Cleveland, I was like, oh, yeah, that's the same thing. I bet that was my segment where I was like, yeah. this is who I am. And you just caught my smirk, which no one would have caught. Your spidey senses are fucking 12 because of your fucking childhood. And I would have caught if your eye moved this much while I was talking. I'd be like, what's up? Did I lose him? He Now he's out to get me. What's, what happened? Right. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I caught the smirk and I yep. wonder why the smirk. Yep, yep, yep. I just wanted you to know. Yeah, I moved around a bunch when I was a kid. So like it was like Africa for the first six years of my life, then Chicago for a couple months, then blank, 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 then Denver. And then, yeah, when I went to Cleveland, I was kind of where I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to get a job. And I worked as a shopping cart boy at a grocery store and started taking care of myself. That was kind of where I was like, all right, this is growing up. Now I'm deciding what my life For is. For sure. That was when I was like, I'm taking music seriously. And by that time I had been arrested and kind of knew what came with that. And then friends of mine were getting arrested. One had gone away for four years and you're like, fuck dude, we're still like 15. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're children. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. such a big percentage of your life. Totally. Yeah. And you like learn that world and you're like okay well maybe that's not for me but dad went to kuwait for a year that's where i interrupted the kuwait you. thing was interesting because that's what i was saying it would be like little points of time where it would just be like you know i'm going here and i'm like i'm not moving again because i spent my whole childhood moving and i like these friends so i'm not doing it like that's wrong for you to do that to me because i already sucked at being myself i was already like Dude, I've been a loser in five towns. Like, if I'm hitting in this town, you gotta let yeah. me like get. You gotta let me have some type of yeah friend. You know what I mean? These Fun other towns me. were not like, fucking with me. I finally did it. Yeah, leave me alone. I finally got three, dude. So I, he went there, and then that was during the war after September 11th. So then I failed in school, and word got to him obviously like mm -hmm. yo like he hasn't shown up for 36 days or some shit yeah and so he's like oh well like get your ass out to kuwait and so then i moved to kuwait i've been there it was just weird in that time dude because i would be walking down the street and i would be a fucking car with an osama bin laden flag with his face on the side of the car run through and there would be people on top of it like screaming you must have felt Scary. really safe yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. exactly and oh my god it was gnarly and i actually had got into an altercation there really quick what year was this oh four i guess okay yeah this is the end of freshman year every freshman's dream yeah exactly <laughs> oh get over to quake it was with the wrong people that i got into it with and essentially we had been asked to leave the country. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. Because you got into some funny business. Standing up for somebody, actually. In Kuwait, there's 
Kuwaitis and then there's Indians and the Indians are the minorities in Kuwait. And a friend of mine was Indian. There had just been an altercation at the school. I went to an American school. It was like a melting pot of- Expatty uh, people, people, yeah. Including people that lived there and like all the Kuwaitis, like a lot of them wanted to go to that school. I think it was just a good school. I don't know. And I, I didn't go to this school much either, but you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You did what you could. I did, was defending a friend and I guess I was defending a friend against the wrong. Like someone who had some juice. Yeah. You know, some royalty type of yeah. sitch. And we had yeah. been like excused from there. And so then when we got back, that was obviously a blow because my dad was like, I had a job. Why would you fuck this up? Your dad's behavior to me sounds really familiar in that like a ton of addicts do this geographical cure thing. Like I won't be this way there. Ah, if I go to Alaska, I, I'm not going to shoot dope there. I'm going to be the person I want to be. God, that's so funny. I still do that. Yes. I literally tell it to Megan all the time. I'm like, if we go to Montana. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like yes. The environment is the problem. You will see this behavior, Jeff. <laughs> it even has a term now. We've interviewed some psychiatrists. who It's, like, it's called a geographic. Like, oh, that's a geographic. So people will do... They'll do people, right? Like, oh, if I had this relationship, I'll live up to that. <laughs> if I go on that island. We just interviewed Josh Brolin. He's sober, and he and I both do it. He's sitting in Venice. He's like, I need to be on a ranch. He gets up to the ranch. He's like, I need some fucking rhythm. I got to get back to the city. It just never ends. It's yep. like, oh, there'll be a place I'll feel the way I want to feel. A geographic. <laughs> For sure. So, yeah, it sounds like your dad maybe suffered from some. When he had passed, I went into our storage unit from when I was a kid, found a bunch of like, what's the right word, psychiatric or like- um, Like evaluations yes. or something, psyche valves? Stuff like that. He was struggling. Yeah, for sure. And mom, she left when you were nine. It's cool because she's coming to visit me in a month. Oh, that's great. Yeah, we have our relationship that happened after my dad had passed and I was like, I'm sick of not having answers. And my cousin who I grew up with, he was schizophrenic and he had lived with us until he couldn't control that side. And then he had to, you know, go to one of those places. So again, I was just always kind of like left out of the loop of what was happening yeah. in front of me. And so my mom, very educated, she's a scientist. I think if I was her too, I'd be like, I need a life. Like I'm not a geographic. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't sink with your ship. For sure, yeah. for sure. So I used to say left, but now I'm just like, I think she just wanted to save herself. Yeah, that's very generous, it by is. the way. She wasn't in your life until recently. Again, things that I had learned later, like, oh, I had reached out a million times. Oh, I had came there and was kicked off the property. I portrayed it differently in the early years of my career because I was angry. Of course. I didn't know shit. I didn't know the yeah. facts. I didn't know anything. And You felt abandoned. For sure. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, you know what? No, you went to save yourself and now you can come into my life at a much better time. Because you know who was there for me was my aunt, who was my dad's sister. And that's who I lived with a lot of the years. And I wasn't there for her because I was an addict. And I was so obsessed with the fast life. And yeah. she died. And I rushed her off the phone before she died. She was there for me in every way possible. And I was so selfish. I wasn't even able to appreciate what she was giving me. So the fact that now I like a day where I can just have a conversation and like, you know, my mom is there to have that with me. It's really nice turnaround from what I was used to. And it's probably better and worked out that way because it feels really nice to speak to someone where I'm like, holy shit. You guys are probably similar to- Super similar to me. And everyone yeah. says like, we look exactly the same. Yeah. And Is she 6'4"? 
She is not <laughs> six four, so that's the only gene that she doesn't have. I'm gonna guess too. This is a wild guess, but your dad, who was struggling a ton, I'm sure in his mind, if he didn't have you, he was gonna be dead in a oh, couple for months. Sure. So I bet his hold on you was like part of his own. I'm gonna die basically if this good thing leaves my life. I'll be unaccountable to everything, totally. and I'm I'm dead. Totally. Oh man, it's wild. Mm-hmm. But you know what's fucking great though is like. Through all that, that cauldron, you have this fucking beautiful, explosive, artistic, creative, wonderful side. And then trying to learn, that's your sword. And so the downside is, yeah, you might disappear for a few days. And the upside is you might really see another person that's been through what you've been through and hold out your hand and they can see it in you and feel it in you and you can give people hope. So it's like this crazy weapon you have and learning how to keep that other side dull and the other one sharp. It's a fucking journey, you know? You seem disappointed in yourself a little bit. No, I was just having the urge. I was like, I need to smoke a cigarette. Oh, you can? Yeah, you can. Yeah, you 1,000% can. Oh, let me open a window. Well, no, you know what's funny is like I was realizing I had did this at dinner the other day and like other people there were like, sober trying to get and i was just like no you're i'm gonna fine. do this with you i'm gonna dip while you smoke it's gonna be great let me get you a little ashtray he'll take any excuse to dip so you gave him a gift dude the first time i dipped my friends told me to swallow it <laughs> what nice friends and uh i just barfed until yeah i couldn't oh it was the worst it's gnarly because it's fiberglass and it cuts into your bloodstream and it's really thank you how crazy is it that idiocracy was right. Oh my God, that it was a documentary? It literally is where we're all at. It's kind of crazy because I rewatched it the other day. It's a trip. And that's also Dax peeing in the background. Yeah, if we have that any... happens quite often. Okay, great. <laughs> Feel uh, free to take a turn. By the way, you can also smoke pot in here. Seth Rogen, you can do whatever you want. Smoke pot. You can do whatever you want. I prefer you didn't shoot anything, but shoot. short of that, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, that shit's a trip, dude. I was watching it and I was like, it was a joke, but came to life. My kind of funny story about that is my mom saw it. I did it like a month after I got home from shooting without a paddle. That movie's so funny. Well, you are the prime age that for that is, movie. Oh, dude, that was my shit. When that came out, that was my shit. So my mom saw that and she was excited. She's like, oh, wow, you're really doing this. Then she saw Idiocracy and she goes, well, not my favorite thing you've done. And I'm like, understandable. And then she called me like two months later and she goes, I just left Walmart and I think that movie might be brilliant that you're right. in. She did a 180. It is. Yeah, it takes a second. It does, mm-hmm. it does. You gotta come to it. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh my God, this was so juicy. Where were we at before I had to pee? Oh, about your aunt and stuff. Oh, she was great. She worked at Target. 
any album I had or any magazine I was on, she had it at the front of her register. That mm. is so If sweet. anybody looked like they were going to buy a music CD or if they came with a CD. That was back when I was able to see like all the messages people were saying. They'd be like, dude, does your all work at Target? Because I was buying this like Notorious B.I.G. CD and like she like... <laughs> Shoved your CD in the pile and was like, "You need to get my nephew <laughs> CD." So, it was great. So sweet. It was actually across from. Have you been to Denver? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so have you been to Shotgun Willie's? No. It's like the strip club of strip clubs. Okay. Whenever I ask them if they've been to Denver, that's like for some reason the food's great there. They also have like <laughs> a weed dispensary attached to it. It's, oh my god! It's the, just like a one-stop shop, but it's yeah. in the parking lot of Super Target. Oh. All wow. the dancers, they all knew my aunt. Oh, oh my no God, shit. That's amazing. I grew up walking past that place. My aunt worked at Target for years. She would get my friend's job there, whatever. And if we didn't have money for the bus, which is hilarious because it's like 65 cents for a one way. But if we didn't have a couple quarters laying around, we would just walk everywhere. And that was back when like walking everywhere was fun anyway. Oh, it's the most fun. Kids and we didn't have phones. You would just talk the whole time or yeah. you'd skate. Yeah. We were big skaters. And I don't know what it was like for other kids, but when you're like 10, 11, 12, you see like Gentleman's Club or something. Oh, you're yeah, just like, yeah. what is that place? Yeah, It's like finding Playboys in the woods or something. Yeah. It's so funny because I would just drive by there without thinking anything. That, But like as a kid, you're uh -huh. like, what is the mystery of yeah, what happens? Gentleman's club, what happens in there? <laughs> but yeah, so when I got erected, all this stuff, I was like, I want to surprise my aunt. And I like finally want to show her that her nephew made it. And I pulled my tour bus up to Target. <laughs> we picked her up and all this stuff. And then after the show, went to Shotgun Willie's and we were like, yes. And the fucking funniest part was no one gave a shit that I had an album out or anything. They all just go, Dude, your aunt, man, your aunt at Target. Oh, I, I love Aunt Barbara. Yeah. I love Aunt Barbara. I love her. She was kind of like a local celebrity. It was really cool because she was so passionate about Machine Gun Kelly. Mm. It was really cool. So I don't like strip clubs, not on anything moral, but I don't want to be a customer. I want approval. Like I'm an approval junkie. Uh, if I see a woman that I think is like high status or wouldn't like me and I can get her to like me, that to me is the apex high of my life. I think as a musician, it's kind of just part of the culture. Like, there's some where it's like, yes, we got to go and throw all this money and all that. And then, yeah. but sometimes you just want to go and like ask the DJ to play your music and be like, does it make people vibe? Is it good to dance to? Is it fun? Like, do people enjoy the environment when this song is playing? Yeah. But are you an approval junkie like me? Yes, but music approval. Megan sent me this really sweet gif yesterday. It was of Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy. And it says, maybe you don't need the whole world to love you, you know? Maybe you just need one person. Oh. And I really just stopped looking for approval for my personal self mm -hmm. outside of my friends and her and my daughter that I was kind of like, you know what, I'm actually good with this. But as Machine Gun Kelly, oh my God, I'm like, <laughs> how the fuck are we not nominated for Grammys? Uh -huh. <laughs> There's this magazine, and I won't say their name, but on my goal list every year, I was like cover of this magazine, cover of this magazine, and never got it. And I go back to a quote that Puff had told me years ago, and it reminded me of it, and I took it off my goal list for good. I don't give a fuck anymore. He goes, when you stop giving a fuck about getting the cover to blank, mm -hmm. you will get the cover to blank. Home and gardening. Home and gardening <laughs> is the magazine. Home and gardening. <laughs> one day. You know what? I put all this emphasis on getting this number one album, like a second number one album with mainstream sellout, which was the album I put out a month ago. And I was like, because people were so thrown off that I made a guitar driven album, which is so 
shocking to me because on my very first album, there was literally a metal band featured on the first song. So there's been gingerbread crumbs leading Mm -hmm. the whole time to this. Again, I was so like shocked by people's surprise. Like, oh, well, he got lucky with that number one. I was like, well, I have to show them that, you know, two times isn't luck. So like, I have to get, I have to get, dude, the fucking day I got it. And they called me and said, congrats, you did it again. You got a number one album. I was so lonely and empty. You know what I do give a shit about is the fans that made it go number one. Mm -hmm. It's cool as shit. It's like a voter. If you vote enough that your candidate wins. Yeah. Like, dude, every target was sold out of the physical album. People don't even have CD players anymore. They were just buying it to be like, yo, we're getting this fucking number one because they feel the same thing. I'm one of them. And so they're like, we're going to make this happen. And they made it happen. It was almost like this one was for them. Do you think it's possible that in your mind, the whole buildup of I got to get another number one, and in your mind, that's your goal. And also in your mind, I'm going to feel a certain way when that, that happens. That was why I brought that up. It was me being like, I'll finally feel approved and I'll finally feel like whole. whole. And it's like, dude, that one number one. And then you know what it turned into? Instead of the last album narrative, it was like, he switched genres and that's why. And then this one, it's like popularity contest versus talent. And then I realized you just will always find something. And all that matters is the people who don't care about what other people are saying. They're like, I like this artist. That's who I give my attention to. And that's whose approval I care about is people who are actually fans of it. And if they are happy, then I am happy. Yeah, and hopefully we can accept that whatever thing we've triggered in somebody is really their thing. I mean, you don't even know these people. Yeah, it's about this them. Their- when people rag on other people, It tells me nothing about the other people. Ah. It tells me everything about them. Oh, you must have a fear of X, Y, and Z. Oh, you must be threatened by X, Y, and Z. You must feel less than in this way. I relate. I feel less than all the time. I feel emasculated all the time. I feel all these feelings. And certain people bring that up in me and other people don't. But you're almost inanimate. You know, you're just a thing that's in the world and people are reacting to it. And it has nothing to do with anyone. Well, that's nice to hold on to because I agree. I'm just a vessel for their own frustrations yeah. and that's okay. Or conversely, all the people that went and bought the album who adore you and love you. You're a vessel for their joy Ooh, too. cool. Both. Very yeah. cool. Probably the worst for you or I would be there's no reaction period to us. That would be the scariest. Absolutely. I'm still invisible. No Absolutely. one sees me. That is the ultimate fear. The last tour I did, it sold out and I was like, but what about next tour? It's like, you know what? I'm done. I'm weaving my own blanket for the universe I want to create. Oh, Colson, I wake up in the middle of the night. I'm like, we're losing all the listeners. <laughs> yeah. Based on nothing. I haven't checked out any of the data. Yeah. I'm like, we're losing all of it. It's just madness. Yeah. And it's because I, on some level, apparently still don't think I really deserve it. Totally. But that's because we've been molded to that. That was the clay. We were molded with like grainy clay. Yeah, and grainy so it's clay. Like super easy to fall apart, and like you <laughs> yeah. always need the people to keep building and solidifying your legs so that they don't fall out from under you. It's an interesting feeling I have where I'm so obsessive about being raw with the music that I'm playing. I remember we went on Stern, and the night before they were like, "Oh, we want you to do a cover." And I was like, I don't even know we're going to do whatever. I was on zero sleep. We had did this all this press run. And, it's so early, too. And then we start. had to go on at 4.30 a.m. Hey. <laughs> and so we got together in my friend's kitchen at 2. And we were like, oh, let's do Ariel's System of a Down. Like, that'll be fun. Let's just jam. We had toured 
with them and Foo Fighters on a European festival run for like a whole summer a couple years ago. But there's a song that I've called Lost in Hollywood that I suggest anyone listen to. It's just a great song. And we go and just like any award show, I refuse to play it if I can't have my instrument live, which for some reason when COVID hit, it became cool to like pre-record everything uh -huh. or like lip sync your guitar. Oh, okay. Wow. All right. Air guitar, basically. <laughs> I always thought about, I can't go home after like air playing my guitar and like watch that with my family and yeah. be like yeah. sick, right? <laughs> so I was like, dude, I don't care if I play wrong notes. I don't care anything. All I care about is that I was doing it. We go, we do aerials and I have zero voice because we had been on this press run. I have on zero sleep. I'm also just like, hey, we're just jamming to have fun with music and people just like, this is a disgrace. Oh, really? When I got here this morning, Robbie said, oh, they played System of the Down on Stern. He was pumped. Yeah, but he might also know about it because of just band people being like, but this is, and I'm like, dude, what, what am I fucking like <laughs> acting like I'm like Axl Rose where it's like I'm supposed to hit all the notes that Serge is hitting? Like, dude, I'm not, I'm not That's System not of a Down. That's not the goal. Yeah. Dude. I, if you want to listen to the record version, just fucking listen to the record version. Yeah. Also, like, God damn, when Guns N' Roses played Sweet Child of Mine, like they aren't sounding like the record either. Like the whole right, point right. though that's great is that they're raw and they're actually doing it. And we're in a day and age of where people are like, it should sound perfect. And I'm like, dude, perfect isn't cool though. The only musician I've ever known that played shit perfect was Prince. Listen, you are halfway to self-actualization and enlightenment, which is you are at the place where you are willing to go be vulnerable and be flawed. So that I commend because very few people are willing to do that. And then the place you now got to get to is, and who gives a flying fuck what anyone says after that? That is where I'm at. Okay, good. We can pick up something and go in front of an entire world and play something knowing that the world is going to see it and hear it, and we don't give a shit. Y yeah. You can't say that we're not all doing it. It's not manufactured. Yeah, it's not manufactured, which some of these bands where I'm like, whoa, dude, you've been around for 20 years and you're on here air guitaring like that's actually not <laughs> that's cool embarrassing, really? it's not tight <laughs> i would like to join one of those bands <laughs> now that that's an option i think maybe i'll like join a band as a replacement guitarist you like could with the way that they're join doing like it. santana or something he <laughs> is one of the few that is like oh i'm playing this shit he's not fucking around no, but other course. shit dude i saw a certain person who were name is where i was like oh dude legend and the people go oh yeah you guys are the only ones playing live at this one um, and I'm wow. like, what? You know what is funny is like we've come to accept long ago that people are lip syncing. And often the explanation is that like the dancing's so insane. There's no way they could be doing that dancing. Which is fine, but I'm not dancing. Right, 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 right. No, I'm only saying we have a barrier between that, which we've accepted. And like, yeah, if some guy's fake drumming, I'd be like, wait, what the <laughs> What's the point of going to a show? Well, that's if very they're true. They're just all faking oh, so you're everything. You're saying this is in front of live audiences? Oh, yeah. I thought this was just on TV. I am speaking about award shows in particular. Right, uh -huh. right, 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 right. Yeah. Because yeah. when COVID happened, that was when, okay, well, we had to start doing late night shows at home. Yeah, yeah. Right. Because the studios weren't open. But then when the stuff started coming back around, mm -hmm. everyone just stuck with that format. It saves you a day of rehearsal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we started saying no. Unless, like we did the NHL All-Star game and I was like, I want to come in from 100 feet on this platform and come down. And they go, oh, well, like, I don't think our technology will like pick your guitar up from 100 feet. So just like, you know, just do it. And I was like, I'm not. I'm not mind. doing that. We're yeah. going to figure it out. And so they put like receivers in the stands and it was live. And it was the intention of what live music is supposed to be. And yeah. it's not tailored 
from an engineer, it's from my fingers. But again, let me just really quickly walk you through. I can tell you immediately off the top of my head who's never done that in their mind to you. So if Eric Clapton's ever seen you play, it doesn't cross his mind, maybe here's an off note, he doesn't really give a shit. If you want very badly to be a guitar player on TV playing, and you're asking yourself, why aren't I up there? Now this sense of injustice, like, well, I'm better than him, totally. right? And I can sympathize with that. When I was first acting, I was obsessed with Vince Vaughn. Like, I want to be Vince Vaughn. I had a deep fear I couldn't be as good as him. And I would gossip about him. And it's just all like, I really wanted that. And I was afraid maybe I couldn't have that. I was a victim of that too, yeah. where I would gossip about the people that I actually deep down respected. One's public, as I learned about you. Like Eminem you loved, right? Oh, for sure. Number one dude growing up, him and DMX. That actually isn't the guy I'm talking about. I'm speaking about kind of along the lines of what they're saying. Like you'd see somebody on a war show, you're like, man, but I could be up there doing whatever. It's the same shit. So I actually empathize with people who would be quick to like tear me down. Where secretly in 10 years from now, you're going to look back on this period and be like, I'm actually grateful that he was doing this shit. And this was good for the scene because we all grow up and we realize like, ah, I was being a jackass and I shouldn't do that. I'm guilty of that. You know who I run into? Actually, like once or twice a year is Vince Vaughn. No shit. The first time I ran into him was at Tom Morello's birthday party. Yeah, he and Favreau are really good friends with those dudes. I was there and I go to the bar. I don't really know anybody there. Said happy birthday to you're Tom You're kind of back in high school. Even though you're famous and you have money, it puts you right back yeah, in high so school. I was kind of yeah. like, I don't know if I, you know, whatever. So I go to the bar and I'm like, I can relate to this drink for sure. sure so I'm there bad. and then Chad Smith comes. Drummer of the Chili Peppers. Yes, and then Vince Vaughn comes and he orders a drink and then all three of us look at each other and we're like, hey, we're all tall. Oh, there you go. We should all just have this drink together because we're the three tall guys here. Yeah, tall guy club. And then we all take a shot and we all have a conversation and they didn't know who I was at the time. And so we're all just, you know, sharing stories. And then this is five years later after my first therapy session, I've never been to therapy okay, and perfect. I go to therapy <laughs> and my girl picks me up and we walk across the street to dinner. And then I hear like, what the fuck is up, dude? And I look and it's Vince Vaughn. So I, I always kind of run into Vince ever since then. And we always relate on like tall guys. He's club so thing. awesome. It's interesting how when you're open, and you're not closed and like negative how you realize like, oh, everyone's actually really nice and they just want to be accepted too. Yes. I don't think Vince would mind me telling this, but I was around him a ton because my wife was working with him. I admired him. I didn't know if it was going to go bad, whatever. It was just kind of all this stuff. I didn't know if he liked me or hated me or whatever it was. But after quite a lot of time together, we were on a plane and I just happened to say, oh yeah, yeah, I had to go to the learning disabled room every day in elementary. He's like, oh shit, you were in those things? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, same. And then the floodgates opened up. It's all the same. We're both compensating for yeah. everything. Everyone is compensating yeah. for something. Like no one goes through life with everything just being fully perfect. No one's born self-actualized. For sure, but there's a lot of people that are giving off the impression sure. that they are. You well, know? you are. Me? Yes, totally. No one is. I think no, I'm a scared little kid that you're going to call dumb and ugly. Okay, first of all, so I went through all your shit. And I fucking really love it. Because, again, my whole life was punk rock. I have all these opinions. And then I'm prepared. Oh, there's a young dude who's in a punkish band. And let's see. Yeah. And I love it. I fucking love your music. So the things it reminded me of, like the bass in it reminds me of Fugazi. Oh, I love Fugazi. Waiting Room. That, oh. oh, dude. When they hit that break at the beginning. Oh. It's really great. Jawbreaker. Great. Yeah. I was at all those shows when I was a kid. Cool. 
So I was like, oh, the bass is like kind of really driving a lot of the shit and mm -hmm. I love it. And then the only other pop punk band I ever really loved was Blink-182. Love Blink. It's got like a Blink thing. It's got a little Fugazi bass thing. And then of course, Wobby Wob told me today, Travis plays yeah. drums yeah. in your band? Yeah. Well, Rook, he's like my little brother. He plays drums live when we go. Obviously, okay. Travis and Blink and stuff like that. But I got with Travis because I had tried to get this sound i was actually scared taking leaps into just it being as raw as it needed to be and trav was really a good friend and he was a great person to just be like no you should feel good just having it be what it should be and the way he's stuff set up and like the sound that he can attain from it he was like the backbone of the body of ideas that i had brought yeah, to the table he's like this stable foundation mm -hmm. and then it's a very safe place for you to experiment for sure knowing that he'll reel me back into what it needs yeah. to be let's talk about dmx for one second the best dude did you watch the documentary on hbo about him i didn't know there was a yeah, documentary oh my god I watched it two days ago. Oh, I didn't even know that existed. Is it one of the music box ones? Yep. Oh, cool. Okay. I love DMX as well. And as an addict, it's just heartbreaking and claustrophobic. And I'm like, man, the thing is so strong. I watched it and I felt like I had relapsed. <laughs> I've been around him many times. It's, oh, you have? Oh yeah, a bunch of times. Okay. There's a lot of the stuff we were talking about, about like the geographic cure or the I'm going to have a family cure or this and that. And for him, Jesus was so a part of that. Mm -hmm. So it was like so much about Jesus mm -hmm. and, and I've got the devil inside of me and all these things. And I'm like, oh, bud, but grab the real thing. You have a fucking disease and the Lord's not involved in this, really. And let's get into it. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. It went the way it went. Yeah. You know him. So it's probably super emotional dude, super sincere the most he had got word that he was my favorite artist he's on my first album actually no kidding and i'd done multiple sessions with him and i caught him in his like upswing of when he was coming back and then i caught him on the tail end i couldn't really tell what was going on with him but he was so huge to me i was kind of scared to take the relationship to like friendly check-in level you know yeah. not that it would have done anything he has like people like swiss beats and all these people who have been with him since day one that's his circle just what he meant to kids like me, where he just gave us like runaway music and music to like, you know, feel like we could fight the world. Let and it out. I wish I would have pumped that a little bit more into his head. No one can intervene in addiction, like other than but himself. He actually was one of the few people that like publicly would stick up for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I remember like me and Charlemagne, we kind of had like an ill rapport before Charlemagne and I became cool. And uh -huh. I remember like there was one time where he was like, yeah, he's whack. And, you know, DMX was like, my dude you're tripping it was cool you know his mom beat him relentlessly mm. that's like his childhood's in the documentary she just wailed on him endlessly and so i see him i see a lot of boys like me i won't say you're this way but i don't know but just broadcasting to the world like don't hurt me i'll fight back and you can just get trapped for life in it mm-hmm even when people aren't trying to hurt yeah, you. That's you my problem it. is like, I still am at the grocery store and, and like, I think somehow I'm nine and someone's gonna be in charge of what I do. Yeah. Like I feel that way in my body. Like, oh, I gotta fucking kill this human right now before they exert their will on me. Yeah. And I'm miserable and powerless. And I'm like, oh, and I'm 47. <laughs> what am I doing? Yeah. Well, and you have the ability to walk out of any situation where you didn't when you were young, and now you do. And it's like you have to remember that. Yeah, like hourly. Yeah. I got to remind myself. 
And you can just feel that kind of in DMX as well, at least in this documentary. Oh, I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, it's really good. Do you feel like because you grew up with such instability that you kind of seek, even if it's subconscious, like it's what's familiar to you? Oh, all Do the you time. seek it out? Yeah, like on purpose torment for sure. Yeah. Yeah, just kind of repeating the. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I saw this thing you're talking about, having Lil Wayne on mainstream sellout, and then you're just absolute delight. And then I was also thinking, because you tell the story about he's supposed to be here at this time. Great, he's here. Now he's in a car. Fuck, okay, everyone's looking. Now he's in a courtyard. And then just obviously like endless patience because you know this is how this guy is brilliant. He's the opposite of us. He's so grounded in who he is. Oh, really? I don't know this, but like my perception yeah. and what's so cool about it was that he was so grounded in knowing that like when I do come in this booth, it's going to be the greatest thing you've ever heard. And I am such an asset to this that like I will make Travis Barker, Machine Gun Kelly, and whoever else is in that studio wait, wait until I am yeah. good and ready to come in there. Whereas I would be in that courtyard like checking in every 15 minutes like, yo, I'm still writing you guys good. Yeah. yeah. Just conviction in who he is. Yes. It was a lesson watching that. I was like, that is who you want to be. Yeah. Secure. This is so sick. The result from it was us walking away when he left and us being like, this was the best night of all time. This is crazy. Yeah. yeah. And then the funny part too to the story is so he does that and it makes the song perfect. And then you're like, I'm going to have the audacity to ask if he'll also be in this other song I think he'd be perfect mm -hmm. for. We got to turn this album in at 9.30 in the morning. Mm -hmm. They hit me back and they go, he's going to skate till 7 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we'll see if he can get it done. And so obviously I go to sleep and I set my alarm for like 8.30, which is about an hour until the album has to be turned in. And when oh I wake God. up, there's a little Wayne verse in my text messages. Because I hit Travis. I'm like, has he said it? I'm like, Travis, did we have any luck? And then he sent it to me and he was like, here it is. And I'm like, oh my this God. is insane. Mm. That's amazing. Yeah, it is. I need to know more about Lil Wayne because my guys are Watch like, the Carter documentary. Okay. It's on YouTube. Just type in like the Carter documentary and watch a dude who is purely himself, no matter if- the president is like, I need to see you right now. He is like, I'll come down when I want. <laughs> right. And not out of arrogance, just out of no. knowing who he is. If I'm recording, this has all my attention. This has all my energy. My dude that I feel that way about is Jay-Z. Having watched that For documentary, sure. Fade to Black. The best. To watch him sit there, sit there, sit there, sit there, sit there, walk in and do the rhymes with Godfather references that are rhyming with this. I'm like... That's the closest thing we have to Shakespeare on planet Earth, I think. For sure. Yeah. Him like taking a jet to Rick Rubin's house and not feeling this pressure of like, I got to make the bet. He just like rolls in. He goes, I got 99 pounds, but a bitch ain't yeah. one. You're like, what? Yeah, no paper, no nothing. Oh, my God. And then the fact that a bitch isn't even what we think. It's a dog. It's a drug dog. Oh. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know, know that. that. Yes, he got pulled over and the cop is like, I'm going to search your car. He brings a drug dog. Uh. And he's like, I, you know, I got 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one. Oh, I like that now so much. I mean, I already yeah. loved it. No, he's talking about a dog. Wow. Monica and I have had some debates because the dude who's now tied for me with Jay-Z is Anderson Pack. Yeah, he's great. I mean, I love him too. I know you do. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to throw you under the okay. bus. There's one song in particular I love where it's, if I call you a bitch... You know that song? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually was rehearsing in a space where he was next door. And oh. before he walked out the door, we were like, God damn, that band sounds so good. Who <laughs> yeah. is that? And then he walked out. And I'm like, oh. It was probably the Free Nationals band. 
Dude, they're great. Oh, they're insane. I was like, wow. Well, anyways, there's a song with the bitches really heavily, and we've had a lot of debates well, yeah. about it. Yeah, <laughs> that's all. Well, before you judge a bitch now, you got to think about what <laughs> exactly what the context is. Maybe he's not even you know, talking maybe about he's talking to his dog. <laughs> For me, the attitude grounded level of like who he is to me would also be like Liam Gallagher. Oh, you love Liam Gallagher just because he's like. I'm the greatest. Fuck you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're yeah. like, wow. If you ever look at his Twitter, it's cool when they're huge and they act like they're still tweeting like they have three followers. I think the thing you're attracted to is being unaffected by people not liking you. For sure. You. you can't tell Jay-Z shit. There's this great interview where I think like him and Birdman were having beef about who had the most money. And okay. they bring it up. And instead of like <laughs> a lot of us who would have this emotional response or defensive, he almost says it where you have to like, turn it up and put your ear to the speaker he's so calm he's like i mean that's that's not opinion that's black and white we can see the <laughs> we can show the accounts right now if you want to. <laughs> but like but even that you've got to pay me to show you that like it was just like the most confident not defensive it's great man and then there's someone like liam who's just like well, i'm the greatest <laughs> sure sure <laughs> Okay, the tour you are already on, or when does that start? It starts in June. It's my first arena tour. Oh, my God. Yeah. So exciting. What are your fears? What are your excitements about it? I'm actually fearless in this one. Every act I've opened for, literally from like the Tech Nines to the Rick Rosses to the Limp Biscuits to the whoever, to, to Vans Warped Tour, to the Foo Fighters. So I've done it, and I've done it from little venues with 150 caps to venues with endless amounts of people, but we've never taken an arena which looks the same on the inside every time yeah. and had the notion to be like okay we have to make this still feel like it felt when we were performing in those intimate places question. if there was a fear it would be that but i solved that and we we're gonna come with a really unique stage and like something that will feel close but even if it's far it's like what a spectacle to witness and you know also too i was notorious for spending all of my you know <laughs> money on lights or anything yeah, yeah. even in small places they're like you're gonna make no money if you get this lighting rig and i'm like i don't care i gotta do this they haven't got to see us with like real amounts of money to do a real production that's where we're strongest at is live okay now do you know colson has a very long acting resume do you know that about him i did not know that i would have maybe guessed that you didn't but he was on that show roadies that was with luke who was in idiocracy that's right oh do you want to hear my luke impersonation please okay I was really good at doing it when I worked with him. It's gotten shittier, but this is something he would say. I got me. one too. Okay, great. He'd go, oh, I love it and curvies. <laughs> okay, this is mine. <laughs> okay. Hey, Colson. It's kind of a shit morning, man. It's pretty good. I'm just exhausted. Okay, and then as soon as the camera's on, Luke Wilson, so fully energy. come to life. Do you want to do your Owen? Okay, sure. <laughs> Oh, wow, Machine Gun Kelly, that's a great, I love that name. Did you, um, <laughs> let me ask, you guys, so you're going on a big tour, it's a r arena, are you afraid that maybe, like, um, wow, I don't know, people, like, fall out of the top? Yeah. <laughs> like, fall on the ground? You must have seen Bottle Rockets, yeah, my favorite of course, comedy. Yeah, Here's the line I usually do of his to get me into his character, he's like, how's an ass like mom gets such a great kitchen? <laughs> I think it's good. That's pretty good. How the fuck are you dealing with your tattoos? Are you in a makeup chair for six yeah. hours? Yeah, that one's rough. That stopped me from getting them. And so now I'm resuming, but that's what kept me from getting more is it's a beatdown. And then your fucking arm looks like a Ken doll when they're done, right? It's just all like one <laughs> monochromatic. Crunchy. And <laughs> yeah. 
It cracks all day. There's no hair. <laughs> no you hair. You have to shave all your hair. It's, it's just... a Kendall with cracks all over it from the thick makeup. But yeah, how long are you in a makeup chair for that? Three to five hours. Oh, my. Oh. I hope there's a scientist listening who can help. <laughs> Can't they just paint it out after? Well, it's because it's moving. If you sat perfectly still. I mean, it would still. just take a long time. They could do it frame by frame. Yeah, it'd have to be like your arena tour. The budget would have to be off the <laughs> <Yeah>. charts. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so in addition to you having mainstream sellout and then the stadium tour, which is going to be so much fun, you also have a movie you've written and directed and you star in called Good Morning, M-O-U-R-N, yes. as in in morning. And my first thought is like, I know why I did it, wrote, directed, acted, I'm curious why you wanted to do that. I didn't want to act in it. I think that kind of just came from people around me like, but like, don't you just want to like play that character? Also money-wise, I'm sure, right? Like people that are going to fund this want you in it. That was what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I wrote and directed it. It was a, when I first started seeing Megan, not even like dating Megan. This is back when she was fine going a week without looking at her phone. Oh, wow. Wow, good for her. That's gangster. Yeah, super <laughs> gangster. It took me a long time to believe it until you get around and you see it. You're, you'd be out somewhere and you'd be like, oh, can you do this? And she's like, oh, my phone's at the house. And you're like, what? Yeah. Wow, <laughs> that's amazing. Get here? It's like a superhero. Yeah. <laughs> if you didn't respond to me in a week, the story I would have. That's exactly where the movie came from, dude. <laughs> she goes, I'm going to Europe actually to like evaluate Stonehenge. Oh, okay. Oh. She needs to get in touch with she that. She was super interested in like the tuning of the rocks. And sh this is her dream. She wants to essentially just explore and uncover secrets of the world. Okay. Indiana Jones. Indiana Fox. Indiana Fox. <laughs> Megan Jones. Megan Jones. And she <laughs> left. And when she left, though, she sent me this text. And I lived in a house with all my friends at the time. And I went to each level, every room in the house. <laughs> and I was like, guys, what would you say this message means? And- Every single person had a different piece of advice. All of them were terrible. Sure, and sure, like, sure. <laughs> they led me to essentially just driving myself crazy. I mean, let's just say your immediate assumption was like, well, this is over. It's over. Yeah, exactly. We weren't <laughs> dating, so it's not a breakup text, but is this like a like... This isn't going any further. Yes. Yeah. Mm. It didn't go your way. <laughs> and then... She didn't take her phone. God bless With her, to, her Europe? to Europe. Dude, still to this day, we'll go on trips and she won't bring her phone. Oh my God. She is very adamant and she's not wrong that the phone is a disease. Oh, it big is. time. So she Great is super good being like, I don't have any social so media healthy. on my phone. I don't have any interest in like what other people have to say. That's why she always is so grounded because I'll be like, can you believe this is going viral? She's like, I can't because I don't know and I don't care and you're right, right. amazing and I don't know what anyone has to say or cares. And that's advice for all of us on how to like live a happy life is just see what's in front of you. So I go, I tell everybody, well, this is a disaster. I don't know why this is happening. I text her a million times. Oh, Jesus. Call a million times. I'm like, just what does this mean? Like decode this and like get no response. It's a week in. I've now went on eight cul-de-sacs walk with Travis, who is the only person who was actually like, dude, like she's the grown woman. Like you're good. If you're seeing each other, like everything's good. And I'm in my head like, no, we're not. Look at and this. And then I imagine too, you're like picking up all these like clues you had missed. Like, oh, right. Totally. Two weeks ago when I paid for the bill, she got mad. I'm scrolling up doing the full <laughs> Da Vinci code to the text conversation. And so- I then randomly is like, I need to like write this and I'm not going to write in a song. This situation's crazy. I started writing this movie. And the reason why I was called Good Morning with a U was essentially like how you can just take 
a simple phrase or a sentence and like yeah, see it the wrong way. Your text from your girl was good morning in the movie, and you end up finding out it's a typo. Spoiler alert! But <laughs> yeah. like you know the obstacles you created around this one thing and how reactive us as men are just one extra letter <laughs> change yeah. the trajectory of our entire day <laughs> and there's a tarot card that intros the movie because that was actually what i got from her because she's very spiritual and all those things that were unfamiliar to me in writing the movie i remember i went to the tarot deck and i was like show me what card should be the card and i drew an eight of swords and i was like i don't know this card like what is that you look it up and the swords all represent obstacles that you create for yourself. Oh, wow. And so that's the point of the tarot card. It flashes very quickly in the movie, but everything in the movie, if it is mentioned, it all comes back around at some point, which is cool. So everything that someone says or does, it all comes back around. And that's like fun for if you watch it a couple of times. And you smoke a lot of weed. Too. And I smoke a lot of weed. So yeah, that was yeah. probably also like me just being <laughs> like, also the first drafts of that fucking script were terrible. They were like, they were so like crazy. Like when I was on high and I'd read it back, I was like, why did the witch come up at Mel's diner and go, choose wisely? It's like just things that we just did not end up using at all, but we're so bad. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. I got to tell you one bit I loved. I don't think I've made a movie without throwing up in it. It's one of my favorite things is throwing up. The intro to the character, he's looking through a microwave. Oh, God, I love that shot. It's so good. The camera's in the microwave looking out at a dude just trying to wait patiently. Uh -huh. And the camera's spinning, right, on the little rotating thing. And just when I thought, I was like, okay, well, I got this bit. Why are we still here? On one of the times it's been he just fucking pukes all over yeah. the front of the microwave. Oh, my God. Oh, oh my, my God. God. That one got me. I was laughing so hard. I was mad I hadn't thought to ever come and up with that. And he's eating spaghetti and cereal. It's like a kind of an ode to gummo. I love gummo. The little things that we were putting in there. <sighs> Harmony Kareem. Yeah. Just cool little shit that we were like, oh, we should just do a little ode to that. I don't think anyone will catch it. But that guy who threw up, he actually wrote and directed it with me. So I had texted him when I had started writing the movie. And I didn't realize I did this, but I texted him. I said, hey, do you want to come write this movie? And the only reason he came over was because it came at 11-11. He was doing something else, and he was like, you know what? Like, weird sign. I'll just go over there. No kidding. And thank God he came over. We were like, his name is London Clash. He's the star of this TV show that everyone loves, but he ruined the finale. A Supermarket, best song on the album? What's that? London Calling. Oh, my God. Well, the reason why was because I had been hit by a double-decker bus in real life. And oh you know, they have the song. That's the Smiths. And if a double-decker bus. So we were just in that zone of just all yeah. UK band, whatever. So we were kind of just going through our Rolodex. Because it was at one point London Smith. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we got to London because we just ran a bunch of names and we're like, which one's best? I want to know about getting hit by a double-decker That was in 2013 bus. in Manchester. I was oh, ding, ding, ding. Manchester. looking for weed. I just landed, saw a guy across the street. I was like, that dude for sure. As we took one step into the road, got oh. smacked by a double-decker bus. What? what kind of injuries? Yeah. Uh, all my jeans ripped because I slid on the ground. My head spiderwebbed the whole windshield. Oh. oh, my God. Went to the hospital, got three x-rays, x-ray, MRI, and CAT scan, all for internal bleeding. Any opiates? All of them when okay. I got out. Okay, great. But they kept calling me Superman because I guess Superman would get hit by a bus and just stand there. I went to x-ray. There's no internal bleeding. They're like, that can't be possible. Like, right. you spiderwebbed the bus. So they sent me to... MRI. When I went to MRI room, they were like, oh, Superman. I guess like the hospital all knew like this dude got hit by a bus and like, yeah. And you were fine? Yeah, I was fine. And the bus driver was dead. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, when the answer to I got hit by a double-decker bus is my pants ripped. Yeah, I love it. I don't remember this part, but my manager at the time was with me, and he was like, yeah, you stood up and just like yelled at the bus driver to keep going, like, get out of here, like, just get out of here. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I was in like a concussed yeah. state. Talk about the apex of codependency. So it's like, fuck, I stepped in front of this bus. Now this guy's in trouble. Just fucking oh, go. Just get out of here, yeah. dude. <laughs> just fucking hit and run, dude. I'm not going to call the cops. Yeah. <laughs> So the Smith song, we thought of that, yeah. and then it was London Smith, and then it got to London Clash. Sorry for the supermarket. Uh, Slipped your... It's still the double-decker damage. <laughs> and yeah, the movie goes, and he has all these friends that lead him down this crazy journey through this one day, because I love movies that happen in one day. Yeah, me too. For some reason. It's fun, yeah. Do you have a favorite that is one one day? I love Superbad. Mm, oh, yeah, yeah, I love yeah. Superbad. There's a lot of good one day. Yeah, yeah, almost real-time movies. Yeah, and we also couldn't extend the budget to get wardrobe for multiple days, so, you know, it's we had to kind of just stick with one. <laughs> we had no cast seven days before oh. because I was shooting another movie, which is called Taurus. It's a dark character, and I was just in that, and I was like, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. And then the financiers were like, homie, like, we're canceling this movie. Like, you have no cast. And at the last minute, we asked every favor possible to get on, so we ended up getting this insane cast pete davidson megan fox the person i want to talk most about i think he's the actor i'm very most excited about in life currently is gata we got him right before so, we started shooting do you watch dave mm -mm. okay dave is Great brilliant show. yeah not only is it brilliant but gator's the real deal he's really was a hype man yes and then his acting is insane the whole bipolar episode that episode is one of the best tv episodes of all time and then also the season finale yes He's so fucking good. Yeah. It's rare that it's, what do I, what's the word for it? It's just like, oh, someone was just so beautiful that they couldn't help but be perfect. Like yes. you didn't need anything. He's just a gem. Well, Maud's son, the guy who I directed the movie with, he knew Gata from back in the day because he used to hype for Travi McCoy from Gym Class Hero, or he was his artist and then he used to hype for like Tyga and then he had a group with Schoolboy Q. A lot of the people we had casted through like just scene kid shit like oh hit up your homie hit up this and i was a fan of him from dave obviously yeah so he agreed to do it he came on and we were like okay well you're gata on this show what should we do and we were like oh dude you're a rave kid we gave him like the raver buns the rick jeans we took him outside of gata yeah yeah which was fun he's just so good he's great i remember there was certain things that i had to be like okay but you're not gata in this though because i remember there was this one line when he's filling in as batman because london has an audition that the whole day takes place around like this is a huge day for you You bombed on this finale but like people see something in you i'm this powerful agent i got you this audition for the new batman agent. Oh, great. she sits Love with her, her legs completely spread apart the entire scene it's so and it's funny. blocked by gata's knee and she was like i really want to play this character like this and she gets this meeting for him but he's like my girlfriend is like missing and breaking up with me. I have to go find that. And so he chooses to go find her. He was like, well, I'm going to fill in. And so he shows up at this meeting, but you know, he's a raver DJ. So he has one of those masks and this is kind of like us just kind of <laughs> laughing at the whole like DJ with the mask thing. And so he goes to fill in and he, because he's like, well, Batman wears a mask. So, so this will actually fool the director enough and I'm going to sit down. And so he goes to sit down and he has this line that we wrote where we were like, whose dick do I got to suck to get some pancakes around here? <laughs> As Batman. As Batman. And he's not an actor. He doesn't know what to do. So yeah, he just yeah. sits yes. down and he's like kind of like throwing these lines. And I remember Gata did not want to say that line. Oh, he didn't. 
Okay. And I was like, but remember, you're yeah. not Gata. You're yeah. Leo, who's just goofy and yeah. like doing whatever he can to get his friend this job. And like, he would say this line. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And it was cool because we took a break for a second. We had smoked and we're like, you know, if you don't want to do it, fuck it. And he had this moment where he was like, yell action. And he fucking sat down and he was like, <laughs> Whose dick do I gotta suck to get some pancakes around here? <laughs> the directing was difficult too because we wouldn't have cast members until the day. Like I remember I made them rent out Van Nuys Airport for a four hour period because I was like, there's going to be an athlete that is going to punch <laughs> London. Uh -huh. And up until the day that it was shooting, we kept lying to them. I was like, yeah, I got Steph Curry, dude. And then they would reach out and they'd be like, Steph Curry has no idea that this is happening. I'm like, okay, yeah, I know, but we got, you know, we got, we got LeBron James. And so they're like, dude, we fucking rented out Van Nuys Airport. There better be a goddamn actor, athlete, yeah. somebody there. Yeah. We're panicking. It's the night before. And I'm like, Mod, like, I've reached out to every athlete I know. Like, you have to give me a suggestion. He's like, shit, dude, you know, I don't know any athletes. The only one I know is the one that's tattooed on my arm. He has Dennis Rodman tattooed oh. on his arm. And I go, perfect. Done. And I hit Dennis Robin up and he's like, I'll come, but you guys have to pick me up on a Rolls Royce. No problem. We send him a fucking Rolls Royce to Orange County. Halfway through, the Rolls Royce owner calls us and he's like, Dennis Robin smoking a fucking cigar in my Rolls Royce. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. You just fucking get Dennis Robin here. I'll fucking pay whatever. Just fucking get him here. Yes. And he fucking pulls up. Wow. And he gets out. And my favorite thing, Mod like goes up to him and he's like, dude, check it out. He shows him the Dennis Robin tattoo. Dennis Robin goes, I see it blows right past them. <laughs> Most rock star shit I've ever seen. I see it. We're like, all right, we got some wardrobe for you. Like, what do you want? He's like, what do you mean? I'm already in clothes. He's like in this wrinkled white t-shirt and a hat. Sure. We're like, yeah, bet. Yeah, great. And we get him in there. He does it, knocks it out. But the every day was kind of like that. And whenever there would be a new cast member, there wouldn't actually be one until like an hour before. We'd yeah, be like, yeah. oh, thank God we got so-and-so. And so printing the call sheet morning of. Exactly. <laughs> or like, it would just be like mystery woman 7 a.m and we would just get whoever we could we edited it on tour backstage no kidding yeah so i would fly the editor out he's great his name's aj he edits i think it was like arrested development and a couple things like that and so i very unconventionally i'm sure to his work process was like dude meet me in arkansas and set up backstage and like he would literally be backstage and we'd have wow. some speakers and mini amp yeah, set up and we'd be going through and we'd do it when i went to propose to megan we were still finishing editing so like i was in dominican republic ducking off to secret rooms for like three hour editing sessions on zoom being like oh okay this 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 this, this. and dude it was daunting and then my friends scored it bays and slim they're in my band actually oh how cool and that was really important to me because i feel like as a musician people are going to look at the music in the movie a lot of your stuff's there yeah that was also per studio request there was like if we're yeah, getting yeah, you yeah, we're yeah. getting some of that music so i was like fair and then we did an original song for it called good morning with a you and yeah cool Fuck yeah whose g-wagon was that that is mods it is yeah okay i knew it was somebody's yeah we did not have budget for <laughs> uh -huh. all of these cars we were just like dude we got to wrap your car yeah we have to do it i kind of love it i do too i kind of love it i do too it's black but it's got safety pins all, all over, over it. it oh i really kind of loved it i was like oh if that's colson's real car i'm into it i'm feeling it do you care about cars yeah you do yeah i just bought a cobra oh you did yeah for my birthday an ac cobra like a 60s yeah dax is a big car guy that's my life okay you have a fucking coffee house in Cleveland, Club 27. Go there, drink coffee. Drink liquid death. Drink liquid death, <laughs> which we actually drink, which you are part of. Go there see, boom, what a crack. <laughs> Mainstream sellout, stadium tour. 
Get tickets and go to it. Watch Good Morning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. It comes out May 20th. The trailer came out on 420. It's a stoner comedy. I think I can call it that. Yeah, That's, totally, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, let's own what it is. And you're lovely, and you're a fucking sweetheart, and I knew you were going to be. Thanks, guys. And I liked it. I have one last question. So you and Pete Davidson are buddies. Yep. Makes total sense. He also He's seems like boy. a very sweet person. He's an us boy. Yeah. Fucked up childhood. I know why you're friends. Dudes must want to fight you guys nonstop when nonstop. you go out. Is that accurate? Yeah, there's a skit on my album that he's on. It's called the Wall of Fame interlude. He's always on my albums doing like skits. And that was right after we met up with him, my daughter and him. They love each other. And he's like, where do you want to go to dinner? And she set a place and he's like, we're going to In-N-Out. And so we <laughs> yeah. go to In-N-Out and we're sitting outside on the table and we're looking at this car. There's a girl and a guy and the dude, we can read his lips and his whole body gestures. And he's behind the windshield clearly like babe if you weren't here i'd like i'd go fuck them up like, <laughs> for no reason just like zero reason because she's like oh this is cool look it's them yeah. and then he was like dude he's doing the arms and the angry neck vein and we were just yeah. like eating a burger with my kid <laughs> oh like my dude exhausting. It's, exhausting. it's exhausting yeah well i'm gonna give you one of luke wilson like he nailed this perfectly and once he said it i realized oh god i've heard this so many times so if you're you or pete or myself in a previous life dumb enough to go out to a bar what'll happen is Dudes will have been spending the entire night buying someone drinks, trying to chat them up, ah. and then you're there, and they don't have their attention anymore, yeah. and they're pissed. So Luke told me, he's like, how many times do guys come up to you at bars and say, uh, I don't know who the fuck you are, Isn't but that my the girlfriend best? seems to know who you are. And I'm like, oh my God, dude, I've heard that like two dozen times. Now that you say it. So many times. <laughs> I guess everyone here thinks you're somebody. I don't know who the fuck you are. Isn't that the worst? I'm also like, <laughs> you know what's funny? I didn't ask to be known when I walked in here. Like you act like I have a giant neon sign. Like everyone, it's me. <laughs> also, dudes are pissed because here's what happened. You... Or the fucking kid in high school they could have shoved down at any time. You didn't fucking play football. This is unjust. The lane I chose was supposed to be that. Yeah. And it's triggering. What a trip, dude. Yeah. I never thought about that, that it was like you were attainably shovable at one point. Yes. Now, why you got money? Why are these girls like you? Like, I was supposed to be on the road to that. Yeah. Or just like, come say hi and get a memory real quick and just like just be, be nice. cool and we could all yeah. just have a good time. I know. That's kind of where I've been at for a while, which is like, oh, I get it. It's my chance to go through high school all over again and like everybody. And I just want to like everybody. Totally. Me too, man. Everyone has a shitty childhood, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Everyone has something. <laughs> for yeah. sure. All right. Colson, a.k.a. Machine Gun Kelly. Everyone check out your shit. Again, stadium tour. Good morning. Club 27. Uh, what's the name of the water? Liquid Death. Liquid Death. <laughs> Buy it all. Uh. <laughs> get it all it's so fun having you in man thank you guys so much i'm so glad i hope you made the right decision i made the right decision you were debating yeah do i want to end it or fucking go for it you went for it and i hope it was good fuck yeah <laughs> and now my favorite part of the show the fact check with my soulmate monica padman okay i got nervous for you me too <sighs> no what could be more stressful than a computer breaking when your whole life is the computer nothing not one thing. Mm -mm. Not a death in the family. Well, this is stressful. Not an amputation. Ding, ding, ding. Segway. Oh. <laughs> That's a little bit forced. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I had a crazy dream. Okay. I have to tell you about it. Great. So I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And it was in the middle of the day, and they, like, sprung this contest on us mm. that if you stayed at school for 24 hours, we get paid 80 bucks. Okay, great. And then 30 bucks, 
more per 30 minutes you add it on. Oh, my gosh. Uh-huh. So that's what you're going for. Well, yeah. That's but, where the money's at, post-24 sure. hours. But like living there then, I guess, you know? Let me do the quick math. Okay. Okay, so that's 48 times 30. That's 1200 then 240 That's $1,480 versus the $80 up front. So the first 24, you'd make 80 <laughs> The second, you would make... Exactly. Wow, that's huge. I don't think they thought it through. They probably didn't have anyone with fast math skills on the team. Mm-mm. But it was like kind of squid game. They would throw stuff at us. It would get worse and worse. Oh, you know? fun. They wanted people to drop out. It was like a psychological experiment they were doing. We couldn't go home. Like It was in the middle of the day at 2 o'clock, let's say, and they sprung this contest. You couldn't go home to like even get stuff. Okay, you were so there It's just now. the stuff you had. Clock starts now. Uh Uh-huh. One thing that they said a day in or something is like, okay, you can only sleep next to people who are wearing the same color clothes as you. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Not very metaphorical. No. And then, okay. And then I was trying to take a shower. So they had like... You needed to shower in that 24 hours? No, no. It was like past the original 24 hours. I was still there. Okay. So you fast forwarded a bunch. Sorry, You're yeah. like, you know, I, I can't leave. It starts now, but then you're at the end okay. of it. Okay, so okay. you're there. You've been it's there for dream. 24 hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Time is... Anything nothing. eventful happened in the first 24 hours? Mainly the clothing thing. Okay, the clothing <laughs> thing. Okay. And then I was trying to take a shower. And then, like, one guy had been there for eight years somehow. I don't oh, know. Oh, he know. was rich. Fast math. I can't even do it. I think that was, like, kind of squid gamesy, too. Like, an old person there. Oh, yeah. I don't know. And Or squid game. E. Squid game. I went into the bathrooms with the showers, and they're all nasty. You of know? course. There's nothing grosser than a communal shower. Ugh, Ugh. They were disgusting. And then there was one that looked clean. But then there was this teeny, tiny piece of poop on the floor. Okay. So it was and like, spotted fuck. It. And so the whole time I'm showering, I'm just like staring at this, like, don't accidentally step in. Ugh, it was yeah. so stressful. I was so stressed. Really quick, too. Just, I would opt to not shower if it was going to be communal and I'd only been there a day, but you what? You were like, I got to shower. I had to. Maybe it was required. Okay. I don't remember right. this, you know? Yeah. When I woke up, I was like, ugh, like, I'm so glad that was a dream. Oh. I hadn't pooped in the bed. Oh, okay. So maybe it was a little poop in the bed <laughs> or on the floor. No, thank God. No, I just was like, ugh, that was awful. And then I was like, people who camp, uh-huh. they're choosing that. They're uh-huh. choosing that life. So, yes, and this is what boggles me about camping anywhere but in areas with lakes. So all of our camping trips were either to a river or a lake. And as a kid, I just fucking swam. Because you go in those those campground yeah. showers, it's just so wet in Ew. there. This is one of my big, big, and you know this about me, I, um, I get phobia. Sure. I can't stand having my feet on a wet ground indoors. So even like at an indoor pool, I hate Ew, walking I hate along that. the side of the pool. Yeah. It feels so communal. It does. And the it's puddles, stinky. Yeah. It's a, it's a musty smell in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, ah, God. So yeah, when I find out people go camping like in the desert or here and there, I think well, you got to have water. What are you going to do? Then you're stuck in those showers. I know. I'll never... When I think of prison, my number one thing is like, oh, my God, your only option is to... And guys are. They're having accidents in the showers. I know. No one gives a shit. They've already proven they don't give a fuck about the rules of society. So it's like, <laughs> if they got to go in the shower, tough shit. They do. They just push. 
I know. Mm. That's what probably happened in this shower that I was in. Someone before let a poop out. I let a fart out and some poop uh-huh. came out. Uh-huh. Guys snuck up on him. Okay, so other um, forced transition. That makes me think of, I just spent the whole week with Aaron. Uh-huh. Oh, what a glorious eight days. Great. Oh, we had so much fun. We sang the same songs over and over and over and over. You know that song, Come, Mama Say, Mama Say, Mama Kusan, Mama Say. Mm-hmm. It started with me just saying it one time. Mama say, Mama say, Mama kusan. And then I heard Aaron go, uh, it's like they say, Mama, Mama, Mama. And you would just add a little bit of a real world. It's okay. like they say, when your son is my kusan. And <laughs> that evolved into, that's not the point of the story. What, it, what occurred to me is he's the only male in my life that I'll be naked around. Because oh. we were sharing a room the last three days. And if I had to like change to go down to the gym or whatever, I'd just be naked in front of him. Yeah. And I just, I'm not, I don't do that in front of dudes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And then he too. I saw his penis a few times. Sure. And um, it's old school. I mean, not old school. It's just old hat. You know, I've seen it a million exactly. times. I don't even notice it is what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm like, oh, his penis is out. Sure. And then the mine was out sometimes. Oh, there's my penis. Yeah. Um, anyways. You've just been doing it since you were little, so it's all. I know. But also there's been this huge gap where I haven't been nude around any men for right. decades. Yeah. I can't think of a time I've been nude and maybe in front of Eric for a half second at hot yoga, but I don't even think then. I think mm. he was nude and I wasn't. And mm. I thought, wow, he's just so fine being nude. Oh, I yeah. see. Yeah. That's kind of surprising because you're so free and you love men's bodies that like it's surprising that you haven't been nude around more men. I will, I don't care if another dude's nude. I'm not trying to be nude in front of a dude. Maybe it's my own baggage of whatever. Yeah, I don't trauma. know. Yeah. Oh, but ding, ding, dingle. So the last two days of the trip, we were in Orlando. I had a job in Orlando. And so I said, well, fuck, we're in Orlando. Should we go to Disney World? Yeah, it's hot as Hades there. And I said, well, let's get a guide. It's expensive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's expensive. And we just did it, right? We did it. (laughs) I said, like, man, I'm giving Disney all the money this year. Seriously. It starts with a text from Caitlin. Caitlin's her name. Just normal text. Okay, meet you at the front of the hotel. At, uh, I think, 11, we departed. So we go out there. And we get in the car, and I don't know how. Something very organically led to me saying I was on this show, Parenthood. And then she said, yeah, that's my favorite show ever. Mind you, she was so cool right out of the gates. Like, you know, my thing is neediness. I have a hard time with neediness. We had also a great guide here in Disneyland. We absolutely did. But my thing is, like, I'm very uncomfortable around neediness. She just was cool. She was from the East Coast. She's like upstate New York, just real fucking straightforward. Could tell she was really smart. So she said, oh, I loved Parenthood. And I go, oh, my God. Okay, great. You kept pretty quiet about that. And she goes, yeah. And I go, have you heard the podcast? And she goes, let's just say that it was all I could do not to say, hi, best friend Aaron Weekly. When we got back. And then she went on to say that they have like, they used to have a wish list there if you were a guide and you kind of got to put a dart in three celebrities. And so they don't have it anymore, but also that's kind of expressed between them all. Well, hers, I'm in there. That's amazing. It was amazing. And Marley Matlin was her other, who guess what? She got to do a tour with her. Wow. We had the best time with her. She was incredible. Great shout out. Good for her. She's living in the sim, I guess. I brought that up. Yeah. I'm like, what are the odds that you wanted Marley and and me? And then we got here. It's kind of crazy. Marley and me. Marley and me. Oh my gosh, I that's really something. What if her third person was Jennifer Aniston or Marley the dog? Oh wow. Yeah. My yeah. friend Don Roos wrote that movie. Oh. 
It's a very sweet movie. It's a great movie. I haven't seen it, but I know if Don wrote it, it's great. I don't even like dogs, and it was sad. Yeah. It's a cute uh, golden retriever, like a light, like yeah. a blonde golden retriever. Well, yes. don't tell people. Boiler alert. Well, yeah. It's like uh, from like 2000, so. Yeah, if you haven't seen it yet. I do think it's really funny when people like throw up fucking a fit over like something that was like the Sopranos. years ago. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's like, hey. Like, Guys. I think the whole world's supposed to wait five years for you to watch this thing. Yeah, it's pretty arrogant. Yeah, narcissistic. Like, oh, okay. Marley and Me was 2008. Still quite a long time ago. Yeah, 14 years. Yeah, good math. Good fast math. So, so much fast math. She asked me to do some fast math. That oh, was another fun. Yes. Wow. Yeah, wasn't that great? What did you do? Fast math. I know, but like. Oh, well, we were doing like, I get obsessed. You know me. I'm a little greedy pig and I'm a bean counter at heart. I'm an accountant <laughs> at heart. And not that accountants are greedy pigs, but I am an accountant at heart. So I'm asking her, how many folks come in here? Average ticket price, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. How many tours you do a day, blah, blah. I just, I can't help but add up how much they're making a day. Yeah. And it's outstanding. That's like my, that's very my dad. He does that too. He's very interested in the money (laughs) element of stuff. Like I was home Mm -hmm. and we were watching Stanley Tucci's show is back on yep i love that show so much and so it's great it's so i haven't good. seen it either but i know because it's him <laughs> and don roos wrote marley and me i know they're great <laughs> okay well i've seen mm-hmm. all of season one of stanley's show loved it mouth salivating oh that's the what whole we time wanted. and then season two just started premiere so my mom and my dad and i watched it my mom had headphones and she was listening to the trial. Uh, but <laughs> my dad and I watched <laughs> it. And there was a whole portion where they're uh, truffle hunters. Mm, the piggies and the doggies. Yeah, exactly. So the white truffles, I didn't know this. You can't manufacture them. You can't like grow them. You can black truffles, but you can As can't. China's doing and then shipping them to the markets in Italy and they don't taste the same. Anyways, saw 60 Minutes on that. Oh, Crazy. my God. Yeah. Okay. But the white truffle, you can't do that with, so you literally, you have to just find them in the earth. It's very rare, very limited dish. So exclusive. And then there was an auction for one. Oh. It was two pounds. A two-pound white truffle. Uh-huh. And when the guy brought it in, he dropped it on the floor. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> That's all we want. He dropped it yeah. on the floor. A piece fell off. Probably oh, you're a, kidding? No, like oh. a teeny piece or something. Oh, not like a half pound of it. I want to guess how much they, that went for. A two-pound white truffle. Did they convert it for us? It was in euros. Do you know the price? I I, forget, I think I remember. I want to say it went for twenty three hundred bucks. Twenty three hundred. Yeah. It was like a hundred and eighty thousand dollars. What? Yeah. Why? Because they're so rare. You can make that many <laughs> meals out of it. Maybe it was a hundred. Okay. Or, but I think it was 150 or 80, oh. something like that. Anyway. They found a Ferrari in the ground. Honest to God. And then it fell on the floor. What a bozo. <laughs> Poor guy or but girl. But then my dad was like, how are they doing this? Because even if you shave some off and put it on your pasta, that's $2,000. That's what I'm trying yeah, to figure out. Yeah, he didn't out. understand it. Okay, so when we were at the faint, we got, I ate one time at um, uh, the French Laundry. French Laundry. And I think I've already told this story. Uh, I got like uh, a truffle add on, mm. and the dude came over to the table and he was wearing white gloves. Yeah. And it was in this large mahogany <gasps> box. Oh my God. And then he opened up the box. That's what I'm basing was this it price white? on. Mm, Probably it was not. black truffle. Yeah. Okay. 
But I, he held up one, and it was twenty three hundred, and it wow. looked it looked like it had to have weighed two pounds. So must have, that's where I'm basing it on. But anyways, he had white gloves, and it was in this beautiful mm. mahogany box. Mm. And then as he was about to open it, I said, "What if he's about to shoot someone for our amusement? <laughs> like it's that expensive <laughs> yeah. of a restaurant? Like you could pick a guest." Uh, but then he shaved it, and he was saying how they come around, like, like they come to the restaurant, they have different offerings, and yeah, each one's individually priced. It's oh a weird God. world. So weird. I love that truffle taste, though. I do, too. We just like went down a rabbit hole. My dad has very simple tastes, and he's proud of that. Like yeah. He was watching, and he was like, ew. Like, to most things, he said, ew. Yeah. And, then he, <laughs> and then he said, I'm really glad I don't like expensive foods. Isn't it funny? Yeah. We're so different. Well, and it's a generational thing, which is like, I mean, we've talked about it on here before. The economy's transitioned. So it's like most people just, they save money to buy objects. Yeah. And younger generations save money to buy experiences. Yeah. So like, yes, I would have agreed with your dad before. Like, thank God I don't have this fucking habit. I'd blow all my money on eating. Yeah. But then, of course, I remember this French laundry thing more than I remember whatever dumb thing I bought that year. Exactly, yeah. You know, I will, you know, there's like brain and stuff. There are definitely things on it that's like, ew, for me too, even. Sure, brain. Testicles? Yeah. Hmm. Vulva? No. No one eats vulva. Everyone's eating testicles. I don't know why. Is that part of misogynistic? I don't know. If you're going to be eating the reproductive parts of a man, I don't know why we're a male. might have poison in it. In the ovaries? Maybe. I was poisoned this week by my own ovaries. Oh, sure, with your flies? They're on their way, and they're mad. They're they mad today. Tuesday? Yeah, Monday or Tuesday. <laughs> They'll be it's here so Monday or Tuesday. It's funny that it's predictable. They're in a be- really bad mood. They're pissed. Yeah. Okay. Apparently the Vietnamese eat cow vagina. Oh, great. Okay. Vietnamese. They leave it to them. <laughs> Rare Vietnamese street food. Cooked, Ooh, whole, uh, cow? cooked whole bowl vagina. Oh. Mm. Well, it couldn't be a bowl vagina or a bowl of vagina. Because <laughs> yeah, a bowl's bowl a male. Yeah. I don't, I don't really want to click this link. Okay. That's probably Okay. A good idea. It doesn't seem like it's a dot org. <laughs> it's a YouTube.com. We don't know and we don't want to perpetuate a notion that Vietnamese are eating cow. That's right. Pussy. That's right. Sorry. Someone had to say it. Of course, it was me. That's right. Pussy platter. Okay. okay. Um, so you can tune a guitar, but you can't tune a fish. Unfortunately. Do you think cooking bovine vulva runs the same risk as salmon in your apartment? Way worse. Okay. What are you talking about? I don't Salmon's know. fine. Is it's it? Fine. <laughs> it wasn't salmon, actually, oh, that trout? caused that. It was... Um, no sturgeon? Dover sole? No, what was it? It was a white fish, but I don't remember. Cod? May I would think it was cod. It was a cod. It's a nice white fish, real flaky, <laughs> real stinky and flaky. Okay. okay, so it's you can tune a piano, but you can't tune a fish. And it's the seventh studio album by Ario Speedwagon. Oh, wonderful, guys. Good job, Ario Speedwagon. Do we know what Ario stands for? Ransom Eli Olds. Ransom? Rancid uh, or Ransom? This was a commercial vehicle in America prior to World War II, Ario Speedwagon. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Ransom, so, R-A-N-S-O-M, Eli Olds. Mm. So the band is after the car. I don't know what we learned just now, but I appreciate the learning the acronym. The album sold over 2 million copies in the U.S., which what led it to being certified two times platinum. 2X platinum. Yeah. It's hard to sell 2 million albums these days. It doesn't really happen. ELO, do you know that famous band, ELO? Mm-mm. That's Electrical Light Orchestra. Electric. Electric Light Orchestra. Rob Thank didn't you, even Rob. have to look that up. He no, knew it. I'm, I'm going to ver- yeah, verify, but yeah. 
Electric Light Orchestra. <laughs> Do you know um, REM? REM, Rapid Eye Movement. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> okay, this is fun. You oh, know great. the green lamp right there? Yes, that Colson liked. He loved it. We were saying that it's in all these movies, so yeah. I have a list. Oh my God, it's like a people. It's a thing. Thought about this. Mm -hmm. Wow. Is Seven on there? Yeah, duh. That's the one that like is sets everyone on their voyage. Exactly. That's weird. I wouldn't have when I when it was appealing to me so much in that scene. It didn't occur to me that it appealed to everyone. You thought you were special. I just was so perversely like needed it. It was weird. Well, its frequent appearance in pop culture is in large part related to its history and the belief that the green light it casts is psychologically soothing and comfortable for the eyes. Ooh. This is what made it so popular among bankers, in libraries, courtrooms, and so on. Uh, and associated with individuals of higher social class. Okay, sure. So, mixed is for you. I know. Okay, ready. There's a lot. Silence of the Lambs. Frasier. Okay, this is TV and movies. Okay, it's a nice mix. <laughs> Silence of the Lambs. Frasier. Or Fraser, as my mother-in-law would say. Fraser is her favorite show. Oh. She talks about Fraser all the time. This one, did you see the episode of Fraser that, and I'm like, I just, I haven't gotten around to seeing it yet. <laughs> Almost everything reminds her of a Fraser episode, <laughs> which is That's adorable. Really cute. That's like Friends. Yeah. For me. Frying. Fiends. Fiends. Best fiends. Best fiends. Patch Adams. Whiplash. Wonder Woman. You know what? This is weird. I don't understand why. It's not in chronological order. Yeah, is it like most popular? I don't know. Okay. Silence of the Lambs, 91. Patch Adams, 98. Whiplash, 2014. Brand you know, new. whatever. Okay, Wonder Woman, 2017. Old Boy. Do you oh, know that? Ding, yeah. ding, ding. Korean we talked movie. about that. Yeah. Oh, With Josh yeah. Brolin. And Great Korean movie. Seven. Ooh. It's in That's red. Because it's... Of course. Yeah. Another in red, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm, I don't remember. <laughs> Batman Begins, Hot Fuzz, James Bond, Casino Royale, and Quantum of Solace. Goonies, The Place Beyond the Pines, Jaws, Legally Blonde in red, oh. 10 Things I Hate About You, The Conjuring in red, Band of Brothers, Born Identity in red. Oh my gosh. Bronson, The Adventures of Tintin, Sinister, The Nick, Road to Perdition in red. Layer Cake, There Will Be Blood in red. In red. 30 Rock, <laughs> Breaking Bad, Law Abiding Citizen in red. I don't know what that is, so I don't know that it needs to be in red. Okay. Um, Boiler Room, Seinfeld, also in red. Pushing Daisies, White Collar, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Supernatural, Doctor Who, Friends, JFK. So everything that was ever made. <laughs> There's virtually. still so many. Yeah. Maybe I should just read the Reds. Okay. Uh, yeah. The rest are the Reds only. Okay. okay. Re Network. Reds only. Sleepy Hollow. Mm. Stand by Me. Mm. Ellery Queen. Mm. Dick Tracy. Thomas Crown Affair. Oh, Tom Crowney. Trading Places. Clue. Star Trek First Contact. It's Always Sunny. Narcos. Gosnell. Goodfellas. Phew, I'm done. Who assembled that? I don't know. Because it's not rare at all at this point. Like, once you get in that list, you realize, well, it's in, you know. But that's the whole point. It's okay. actually it's a device. ubiquitous. It's ubiquitous yeah. and it's a device. That's right. Because when he says it's in all these movies, it is. He's, he wasn't lying. <laughs> it's in most movies. <laughs> I think that's maybe safe to say. Okay, you said we interviewed a psychiatrist. And called it a geographic. Yeah. I, I was trying to think, and I did some Googling. I couldn't find it. I think it. Anna Lemke 
might have said a geographic. I thought maybe it was from BJ Fogg when he talks about habits. There are like certain things people will do to change a habit. Okay. And one is Is it called geographics? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know if I made it up. And if I did, it's a cool thing. It is cool. We can make it a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a geographic. That's not going to work. Yeah. You said you've never made a movie without throwing up. But there wasn't any throwing up in Brothers Justice. Or Hit and Run, right? Um, there was in Chips, obviously. There was a ton in Chips. <laughs> there was in The Judge. Did I not throw up in Hit and Run? I could have swore I did. I would brush my teeth until I gag. I kept that in there because oh. that is really how I brush my teeth. And it. I was overly proud of the fact that like I left that in. Yeah. Just, I've never been watching a movie and the character was brushing their teeth <laughs> and they fucking gagged. I kind of liked that. Yeah. yeah, very real. But Brothers Justice, no. Oh. I was too busy with those crotch shots. I was more focused on the bouncing testicles back to ding, 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 the ding, food. Ding. Yeah, that was kind of like your crotch period. Yep, that was. Then I then you moved had a into, vomit period. I guess I moved into <laughs> teeth brushing period and then vomit. Yeah. Oh, there's two news stories we have to discuss. I didn't know if you wanted to wait. No, people will be pulling their hair out. Okay. One is there's a great article. Was it in the New York Times? I can look there because this is one the thing I sent you. Yeah, New York Times about two dolphins. <laughs> they were playing... In Bolivia, mm -hmm. they were swimming side by side, and they had an anaconda in their mouth, yeah. which is already a novel. Very rare. Incredible thing. <laughs> they didn't know whether they even hunted those. They're supposed to be apex predator, those anacondas. And then also, deeper in the article, mm -hmm. it's all about their erect penises. They're yep. both so aroused. Yeah. And then it talked about how they would generally, they tried to have sex with a whale's blowhole, like a little whale they got. There was a... And then it, they think maybe they were trying to have sex with the fucking... Anaconda, they were rubbing their penises against it. And anyways, it just confirmed right in writing in the New York Times, they are the perviest creatures out there. They are. It's wonderful. What did you, you actually commented. I took a quote. Yeah. It was, something else from the photos was notable. The male dolphins erect penises. You don't see that often in the New York <laughs> Times. It was great. Okay, secondly, and we're hoping to do a little follow-up about this. A guy landed a plane with no training. That's right. The pilot became incapacitated. In a, a civilian, a passenger, a civilian, a passenger, a layperson, uh -huh. a dum dum. No, I'm not saying dum dum. No, obviously not. A very skilled person, and he, first time ever behind the yoke, set it down safely. So many people were very excited for you. Yes, they were. I think it ends our debate because the odds that that guy is more mechanically inclined than me, like has more driving passions. We don't know. We don't know him. Dax, we don't know him. We don't know him yet. Yeah. We don't know him. Don't but listen, him. also I will say, and this is something we haven't thought about in this discussion, most of the accolades are going to the air traffic controller. And I understand that. Of course, they have to tell you how to land he it. He did the all the work. Yes, which I anticipate. I don't think I'm going to get behind the the yoke of a 727 and figure out how to put it on the ground. Okay. I know they're going to be talking I to me. I didn't know that. But I'm saying I'm the best person to talk through that because I don't get, I don't lose my cool. And I know about all the stuff. Or Knowing someone's walking you through, I will agree with you. Okay. Okay? Okay, thank you. But you just on your own up there with mm -mm. no person walking you through. I mean, you want to hear the truth. You think you can do it either way. I do think I understand it. Mm -hmm. Okay? 
Here's what I think I understand. Okay. Okay, I've got the yolk in my hands, right? <laughs> you can see that. You, is that what it's called? Yeah, the yolk. Okay. Uh, At least you know that, and I didn't know that's that. That's right, right? And so I've got the yolk in my hand, and um, if I turn to the right, it activates the flaps on the opposite wing, and it drops it. So that's that's making yourself go... Um, tilty. Tilty left, tilty right. Curvy swervy. Curvy swervy. If I push in on the yolk... It actually, on the maybe aileron, I think it's called, the back wing, okay. it'll tilt that flap, which will bring the back end up, and it'll send it down. Uh-huh. So if I push in, it's going to lower. If I turn left and right, it's going to tilty-tilty. I pull back, it's going to put the nose up in the air, right? Mm -hmm. So now what we have on our hands <laughs> is throttle control. That's the last step. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to aim it at the runway, tilty-tilty, blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to be pushing in on the yoke, nose diving, nose diving, nose diving. I'm also going to be coming off the throttle. I'm going to be trying to lose some speed, okay? Uh, Full throttle is forward. I'm pretty positive. Oh. <laughs> like a boat. And so if I'm pulling back, as I pull back, I'm going to lose altitude as well. Mm. Both my point down is going to lose altitude, and then when I come off the gas, it's going to lose altitude. Okay. Less propulsion, less lift. Okay. And what I'm ideally trying to get to is that point where right when we are about to nose dive uh -huh. and hit the nose on the runway, <laughs> I know pull back on the yoke. I flatten it out, and then I drop the strength of the motors, and it's going to kill all the lifts. So it's going to be a rough landing. We're going to slam oh, down. Oh, But I'm going to have us close enough to the ground that when we bang down, <laughs> and then I drop them fucking throttles all the way to the ground, ah. and then I push. I'm pretty sure the foot pedals, I just push as hard as I can, and now I'm on the brakes. This is oh, without doing any research. So I'm sure people will comment on whether or not. So I kind of think I could do all those things. Okay. If, uh, I might have to like circle around a few times. Okay. You did it on the Star Wars ride. I was Great. just about to say that. Ding, 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 Disneyland. There was a ride where you were doing this. You were driving. Well, training. you and David. Yeah. David was terrible. Oh, my God. I was so sick in that ride. I was like, get me. I had to just close my eyes and, and just yeah. sit. That's a rough ride to be a passenger in. I did not enjoy it. When we were planning out who was going to do what, I was like, I want Dax to... And the part that makes you sickest. Yeah. yeah so, you know, you. I did feel like I wanted that to be you. Yeah. So, so that's a feather. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Anyways, so I think I could do it. Rob and I hated that ride. Yeah, it was not great. <laughs> we talk about movies that take place in one day. Mm, this, yeah. this is a movie-heavy fact. Oh, good. Okay, ready? Yeah. Clerks. Hmm. American Graffiti. Ooh. Groundhog Day. Airplane. Airplane! Exclamation point. Hold on. Groundhog's Day is, that's a cheat. Is it? Yeah, because. Because it resets. There's like, he lives like 150 days. I know, but it's the same day. It is Groundhog's Day. You're right. <laughs> okay. You're right. Okay. Before Sunrise slash Before Sunset. Mm. Great Linklater movie? Yes. Yeah. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <gasps> Wonderful. Oh, seminal, Classic. Seminal one day movie. Mm -hmm. Night of the Living Dead. Mm. Dr. Strangelove. Do the right thing. <gasps> Spike. Magnolia. Oh, baby. I like it. That was a shorter list than my last one. There were no reds. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Much more manageable. Yeah. Only the hits there. Oh, my God. For a second, I was like, what the hell? But look. Was that all stills from? Oh, you know what? Fuck. The reds are probably YouTube videos. Oh, where you could have looked at the lamps. Ooh, do you want to see the lamps from Seven? Mm-hmm. 
Mm, good sound design. So good. I know. It makes me want to watch it again. Listen to the sound design. So <laughs> ominous. I want to check out Milton. That's the high water mark for the green lamp thing. Because one was in the right in the right prominent in the frame. Oh, it's everywhere. Oh, we love it. Let me hear him talk once because I I sometimes think I can do him. Gentlemen, gentlemen. I never understand. Never understand. Mm. No, his is deep. Like it's. It's a little. That's just more a cadence. Like I can't do it. Well, there's a reason, right? There's a reason his voice is the making most... trillions. Uh huh. Yeah, best narrator in the business. Mm-hmm. Shawshank. What a narration. God, good movie. Happened in a day. No, it didn't. No, it was over <laughs> the course of a lifetime. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, Born Identity. I just want to mm, see where it is. Yeah, let's just see if his shirt's on. Right now. <laughs> He looks so young. They put a lot of head on these clips, like long yeah. time before the lamps. Exactly. Oh, I see it. Oh, one, two. Yeah, that was it. Oh wow! <laughs> Someone really went through that one with a fine tooth comb. Well, I don't know. Maybe there's more because this is a long scene, but we saw. You better it. throw someone through a big rack of those lamps. <laughs> no, the whole point is it's like discreet. Uh, it's a device. It's a device. That's it. Mm. For facts in general. Yeah. Oh wow. What did you think of Machine Gun Kelly? Loved. Loved. And I will be honest that I had... Preconceived notions? I did. I went in feeling... Because I did a little research on him. Yeah. And I was like... "Ah." I mean, to be honest, this is going to sound horrible. I don't want it to be true, but I was kind of like, can't can't people just get it together? Ah. A little bit. Sure. I know... Life is hard, but like, ah. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, as soon as we sit down, I'm like, oh, this, this sweet boy. nice, sweet boy. Yeah. And it's so unfair. What do you think is under that? Because, like, I have a guess. Of mine? Yeah. The initial knee jerk, because I totally relate. And I think I have a theory on why. But why, why like, initially, just like, Come on, dude, just get your shit together. Like, where do you think, what do you think's under that? It's this angstiness that's put out that mm. I am like, ugh, just can't, you can't, can't Go it be easy? Yeah. Can't it just be easy? Yeah. And the, the truth is, the answer is no for some people. For me, a lot of it, I think the knee jerk is like, which is crazy. I know, because I don't have it much anymore, but I used to for sure. Yeah. Part of the knee jerk for me is like, you're rich and famous. How fucking bad can it be? Oh. Like, that's probably the foundation. No, I don't have that. You don't have Mm-mm. that. Mm-mm. It's more just like, like, I can see that life is so difficult. Uh-huh. And in my head, I'm like, it 
doesn't have to be. Yeah. It just doesn't have to be. It can be easier. Right. But that's wrong. I'm wrong yeah. about that. Or for you, it can be. Well, that's what I mean. Everyone's so different. And it's amazing the things that people are doing despite their backgrounds. Well, that's what's funny. Yeah. I guess like if you could see somebody in their totality just by glancing at them, what's probably more accurate about him. Like, so if you don't know anything about him and you just look at the thing, it's like, dude, why are you such a fuck up? If you see the totality, you actually would probably go like, it's amazing that he can. It's be, a miracle. Yeah, functional and productive uh -huh. and creative and all these things. I agree. Is more amazing, really. Yeah, for me, actually, the piece that I read that really made me just like ugh, was him being like a self-proclaimed anarchist. Oh, right, 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 right. I read that and I was like, no, no, yeah. no. It doesn't have to be that. Like, yeah. everything doesn't have to be a struggle. But again, when life is a struggle or when you're used to life being a struggle, of course. I also really think anarchists, that's like a symptom of youth generally. Yeah. And I think when you're young, you feel most separated from the system. The system seems so obscure and impenetrable you feel a powerlessness of like i'll never have any say over how this place is and in some way i feel excluded from it so i'd be happier if the whole fucking thing collapsed since you know yeah but i think that comes from people who who desperately need to feel powerful and that's due to Being not powerless. Ha exactly yeah. not having any and feeling trapped in that like i don't have that because i yeah. didn't feel like I have no problem with the system. Right, it the works system for has you helped guys, yeah. me. Yeah, but I of course understand. That's how I felt. I think I told you. I don't even know if I said it publicly because I'm always I try to be supportive of everyone's movies, and it's a great movie. But I just wasn't at an age where I could be excited about it, which was the Joker. Oh yeah. It's just like it's so misanthropic. It's it is. so life is so terrible. It's so who gives a fuck? Blow everything up. Like, and I I just was watching. I was like. I definitely would have loved this movie in my 20s. Yeah. Because I felt like, oh, God, I'm never going to succeed in this crazy system. Like, yeah. I'm going to be one of the ones left out. And then I just was realizing, like, oh, this whole thing no longer appeals to me. Yeah. That movie was scary. Yeah, it was dark, 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 so dark. So dark. But ding, ding, ding for upcoming guest. Uh, Easter egg. Oh, right, 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 yeah. right, right, right. Anyway, so, no, I loved him. I adored him. I thought... He's a very special person. Yeah. And I, I did a complete 180. He's one, he's one of these guys that came up on an episode with um, a great guest that's coming up, like a titan of the um, financial sector. And we were talking about like what the last part of your life is. If you've already kind of accomplished things in life you wanted to, mm -hmm. and the thrill of that's maybe over, like what's left for you? And I was saying, well, I kind of am loving the idea of maybe like being a mentor to boys who would want me as a mentor and this was and i referenced and when you hear that episode maybe you'll you'll be like who was he talking about but this was one of them mm -hmm. i was like i would be endlessly available to colson yeah yeah i think you would be good for him <sighs> i love you i love you